Hello, welcome to episode 47 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. I am Stephen Hill, and with me, not as always, because he's in Amsterdam watching Tool, my usual cohort, Renfrey Deadman, currently spending a week watching many, many bands and probably doing many, many things which are illegal in this country, so let's not go into them now. But don't worry about it, everyone. It's fine. I've got your back, always. I'm joined by my good friend, your good friend, a friend of us all, a friend of the podcast, just friend, innit? Mr. Matt Stocks. Hello, Matthew. How are you? Mon amigo. How you doing, mate? I'm probably the same as you. War-torn. War yeah. I'm I'm fucked, to be honest. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for Thank having me on. Quite right. But yeah. I haven't fucked you, by the way. That's not... No, so no, the no. listeners should be very... <laughs> clear about that it's nothing to do with what anything that i've done it was donnington and as we talk it is three days after the festival yeah. but obviously um most people i think are smart enough to book a day off after mm. download um when you're a little more freelance like us obviously you've got your full-time gig but then you're doing this feature and yeah. there's all this other stuff going on and i've been doing podcasts so there kind of hasn't really been any respite no and i camped this year as well I so know, i saw your Absolutely. Oh, you actually you saw I the went, area, didn't I you? I did, yeah. I saw where you were. It was um, it was pretty fucking brutal. Well, I take my hat off to anybody who did the full-on five-day out in the mud. Oh, I mean, right. I had the guest camping scenario, which was a little bit nicer. Um, there was quite uh, a respectful crowd in our area, I would say, and not much in the way of, um, you know, drowning mm. <laughs> campers. It wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst. I mean, I heard Did, did some you go out to the stories. main area? No, nah, of course you didn't. No. I went up there on the Wednesday and even then the first day, it was like I said to my friend, it was somewhere in between Mad Max and Waterworld. Like if those two universes collided, that was the scenario up in the village area. Yeah, I heard, I heard, I heard things. I heard things. <laughs> on the grapevine. Yeah. But it was I, great though, wasn't it? It was good. Well, this is why Matt's here. Basically, um, Renfrey didn't go to downloads and Matt did and I did as well. So we're going to do, as Renfrey's away, a kind of full review and look back at... Um, a download festival, which I think, I don't know if it'll go down in the, the annals of time of being one of the great download festivals, but I think it it kind of snatched, snatched victory from the jaws of defeat is how I feel about it. It but, was an above average experience. Yes, we will get into that a little bit later on. Um, I should say, obviously, we're part of Musicism. Very happy to be part of Musicism. They provide some of the best online tutorial courses for yourself, the budding singer, guitarist or producer. So go and take a look at that. It's musicism.net. Um, and also, when you do sign up for their courses, which are a meagre sum of $9.99 a month, you can get 25% off if you put in Riot in capital letters in the checkout. So you might want to do that. Um, and um, also, we have a, a kind of announcement to make very, very quickly at the start of the show. In, um, in, a, in a very short amount of time, just over a month, Riot Act are going to be celebrating our, our first birthday. We've been doing this for a year now, Matt, myself and Renfrey. So um, we are going to announce right now that on Monday, the 22nd of July, you are invited, all of you, you're invited as well, mate. The 22nd. 22nd of July. It's in my diary. Good. Yeah. To Riot Act's first birthday party. We are doing something special. It will be a <laughs> podcast recording, but it's essentially going to be a first birthday party at the Signature Brew Tap Room in Haggerston, North London. 
Doors at seven, uh, so doors at six for a seven pm start, and we'll get the link tweeted up along with this podcast when it goes up. So do come down, come and see us do something live. And I, I, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is we've got planned at the moment. Assumedly, it's going to be a live podcast. Yeah, but it's going to be something weirder. No, but it's going to be a party as well. It's going to be an actual legit party as well. I've it's been to be a few slightly, first birthdays in my be, time. Yeah, it's going to be slightly less professional than just a podcast. I mean, you're doing some live podcasts, aren't you? If you want to plug them right now. Yeah, I'm doing one on the 14th of July on the Sunday after Every Time I Die headline 2000 Trees. Mm. Uh, Keith Buckley is driving to London and me and him are going to do a live evening with Keith Buckley at the O2 Academy in Islington. Uh, doors are at seven and it is going to be a live interview with me and Keith followed by an audience Q&A. So we'll open it up to the room and give people the chance to ask Keith anything. Uh, I actually just ordered his two novels and I'm working my way through them at the moment. Very Bukowski-esque. Yeah. Really good. Um, and yeah, we're just going to chat about music, about writing, about life, art, the world. Uh, and then at the end of it, we've set aside an hour so everybody can have pictures with Keith and get stuff signed and all of that. So yeah, uh, nice. 14th of July, ticketmaster.co.uk for tickets. And uh, it's going to be a good time. So that's the week before yours. Yeah. So, so there you go. The, there's no let up for the, the live fun <laughs> happening around your area. So if you come live down. in London. If you live in London. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to Metallica tomorrow as well. So it's um, quite the brutal week. Do you know what I mean? Oh, man. I mean, I just kind of need two days of nothing, but mm. it ain't going to happen. I just recorded today a brilliant podcast with Barney from Napalm Death, Everyone which was outstanding. I listened to your chat that you did with him um, yeah. the other day as He's well. Great. He's amazing. And I think coming from Birmingham, as soon as you meet someone from the Midlands, there's always an instant rapport and connection. But mm. I'm just on the same wavelength as him when it comes to almost everything, economics, politics. He's like me, a humanitarian in the true sense of the word. He's there are no person. us and them. It is just humans. Yeah, he's a great guy. And, and, and someone else um, to add to your list of brilliant guests, Matt. Of which I... <laughs> what a segue. I, I count as one. Yes. Um, so for those of you who, I don't know, there'll be people maybe who are listening to this because they listen to the podcast that you and I did. There'll be people who are listening to your podcast because of this. There'll be people who maybe have never listened to either or maybe have listened to both. So we should probably try and explain it as much as we possibly can. Um, Matt, for those of you who don't know, and you should know by now because he's been on the show enough times, uh, does the the podcast we're talking about is Life in the Stocks, which is your podcast, um, where you get a variety of, of different guests to, um, to come and, and talk about their life and career. And um, Steve is removing a cat. I'm again, sure if you, listen, time, if you listen to this podcast every week, this is probably a regular occurrence. Yeah, it is, is this earlier fair. in the show than usual? Yeah, it's fairly early, actually. For fuck's sake, come she's, on. She's, I um, like cats. Don't think I don't. But She's got a butt like, right <laughs> Just, in your face. Yeah. But anyway, and, and it always seems to be in quite poignant moments, quite I, important I moments of the chat as well. So basically, Matt's podcast, Life in the Stocks, which you should sub subscribe to. Um, I went, on, went on it the other week. Um, that episode is available to be listened to for anyone. Literally anyone. Can well, here's hear. here's the stats, Stephen Hill. Uh, your episode is so far. We're into uh, nine episodes of series two, so I won't count everything that's come before. But there are a hundred other episodes that people can explore and find everything from Tom Morello to John Lydon, Gene Simmons, Be Real, Doug Stanhope, loads and loads of guests. But I launched series two of the podcast in April with Stephen Graham. And since then, there's been Stephen Who's Graham. brilliant, and that is, a, that is a great episode, by the way. Thank you That's very much. Very good. Ed Gamble, who you kindly introduced me to. Yeah. Uh, we had on Ginger Wildheart, Frank Turner, 
Ian Winwood, Dante Benuto, uh, a couple of others. Anyway, out of everybody who's been on so far on Series 2, um, apart from Stephen Graham and Pancho, actually. So we've, we've got Stephen Graham and Pancho, then you. So you've had more listens than Ginger Wildheart, than Frank Turner, than Ed Gamble. Smashed it, mate. And the response, Thanks, mate. the response was beautiful. Yeah, it's that. I think it's been like, if you've tweeted, to be honest, I should probably say this now because I got so many messages that I just started not ignoring them, but going, <laughs> I, I can't say thanks, sort of awkwardly go, cheers, uh, over and over and over again. I don't want to say, oh, thank you, like 400 odd fucking times or whatever. But um, to anyone who did tweet me, it's really, really very nice of you to say how much you enjoyed it or got something from it. I think it's not even, not many people have gone, oh, I enjoyed it, but a lot of people have gone, I got a lot from that, uh, which is really nice. Really, really nice. Um, we went deep, didn't we? Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, we did. And that's fine. Like I'm, you know, I'm a big boy. I'm mm. happy to go. I think to those the, the reason people loved it is because aside from your previous podcast exploits and whatever went on there, I guess people who tune in to Riot Act had no idea what you've been through personally in your own life because you are a consummate professional mm. in some ways <laughs> and you don't complain and you're not one of these people who goes I'm having an awful time in life and so they have no idea all this stuff that you've been through and then obviously you came on my show you laid it all on the table and I think people were just like wow like you've been through all this stuff and yet you've still been holding down this podcast and you know delivering all these brilliant episodes every week and not letting it beat you down and that's what I think what people found inspiring is like well I don't feel so bad about what I'm going through at the moment because if this guy can go through all of that and hold it down and remain positive, then that's an inspiring thing to know. And I think that's what really connected with a lot of people. That's cool. That's good. Well, if you did, and if you tweeted me again, thanks. And if you tweeted Matt, I'm sure, you know, it's not just me as well. You know, you were, um, well, I was tagged in the post that you shared. So I saw all of them and it was a, a flurry of just positivity and, and love, and it was really great to read, and I was very humbled by it as well. So yeah. thank you on on my behalf. To well, everybody. mate, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And Pleasure. if you did listen, thank you very much. And you know, maybe you should sign up to our Patreon page, which is uh, do it, <laughs> do it, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. Me and Renfrey actually recorded a podcast on um, the uh, the very excellent self titled Killing Joke debut album recently, which will be coming up uh, for patrons soon. I think it's amazing how much that album just has not dated. Mate, I'm not going to say too much because that's pretty much what I say. That's the episode. That in is the nutshell, a, yeah. a lot of what I say in the episode, but yeah, um, I forgot how much I, no, I didn't even forget how much I love killing joke. I know I love killing joke, but they've got so many albums and they continue to deliver like a grade material as well. Mm-hmm. That Barney from Napalm, who I chatted to today, said the same thing about them and that I was saying about Napalm is they can be X amount of decades now into their career Mm -hmm. and still be releasing extreme, challenging, progressive, excellent music. Yeah, and they really are. Both those bands, I think, are the, they are the, the kind of, the A grade, the flag bearers, the, you know, the gold standard for being 35 40 years into your career and still being of like not just a good band or a band that people want to go and see but actually being able to in some cases i mean i i i bought absolute descent from 2010 which is quite a long time ago now but you know it's one of the latter 
Killing Joke albums. And it stands up. It's fucking incredible. It's yeah. as good as anything they've ever done. Apex Predator, Easy Meat, the last Napalm Death album, is as good, it might be, it's one of my favourite Napalm Death albums. Fucking brilliant. To be able to do that so deep into your career is fantastic. And for Killing Joke, I mean, one of the things we do say in the chat is the fact that they're still playing with that original lineup. Yep. Not many bands who get that deep into their career. And, you know, they have changed the lineup a lot over the years. But to be still doing it that, you know, those same four people who formed in 1978, to be stood on a stage still together in 2019 is fucking crazy so all the love in the world to killing joke so um we are going to be talking about a download um we also me and matt are going to do a trade-off i gave matt um curb dogs on the turn and he gave me germ-free adolescence by x-ray specs but first before we go any further we should probably chat a little bit about dave mustaine um so only kind of days after it might have been the day after um uh the download festival um, ended. Megadeth cancelled most of their upcoming tour um, due to Dave Mustaine undergoing treatment for throat cancer. Um, he did kind of, um, he obviously put up quite a long statement on the band's website. Um, kind of just a little snippet of it was, it's clearly something that had to be respected and faced head on. I faced obstacles before. I'm working very close to my doctors. We've mapped out a treatment plan, which they feel has a 90% success rate. So treatment has already begun. Um, that's good to hear that they think it's going to be a kind of 90% success rate. Obviously, we're getting to a point in time now where well, many... Well, we're, we're, we're in it. We're in it, aren't we? Yeah. You know, this sort of thing is only going to happen more and more and more. And it's um, it's been talked about for a long time, but I think, you know, the Ice Age is, is really here now, right, isn't it? Like the mortality of the artist that you grew up idolising is being put into sharp focus almost, almost weekly these days, isn't it? Well, I think every generation has it, don't they? And it's mm. just the case that now our generation is reaching that point. And I think with our generation, a lot of the singers who we grew up listening to of our age group even almost were obviously dying way too soon because of suicide and drug overdoses and things like this. But we are now in a point where the people who would say just a generation ahead are now, you know, becoming older statesmen, let's say. And, you know, I mean, it's amazing that bands like Maiden, Priest, I know Sabbath have only just called time, but Mm -hmm. Kiss on their final run at the moment. Slayer only ended like, in the UK at least, a couple of days ago. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's going to be a lot more hopefully more retirements than than deaths yeah but it's certainly the beginning i think of a a a long big wave of that and we just have to get out and see all those bands whilst we have the chance i think and also with someone like dave mustaine i don't know whether this is a tangent or not but he's someone who's been ridiculed and vilified so much Mm. and when i remember when i watched the um some kind of monster documentary i really fell for him yeah or felt, sorry, I didn't fall for Dave Mustaine. <laughs> <laughs> no, he looks like a boggling, why would you? <laughs> and I was like, wow, he's been through a fucking hard time. And he's one of those people who's a figure of ridicule and people have had a lot of pop shots at him over the years. And I just hope with this, obviously not only for a speedy recovery, but I hope that people actually just go, you know what? He's been treated wrong by fans, by a lot of people in the music industry. Mm. It's time to give that guy his dues mm. and, show, and show him some respect. You know, I mean, they won a Grammy a couple of years ago. I think the tide has definitely turned within the sort of the the overall, the metal scene's kind of overall feeling about 
Megadeth. They've done shows with Metallica and, you know, he's got up on stage with Metallica during the big show, four shows and stuff. Um, so, but yeah, but certainly for a very, very long time, Dave must, it was Dave Mustaine versus Metallica. And you still do get people just thinking of him as the guy who moaned because he got kicked out of Metallica, which is, you know, deeply, deeply unfair. I'm not an absolutely massive Megadeth fan, um, but they've got some fucking rages. And certainly when you consider... When you consider exactly what it is that Dave Mustaine has brought to heavy music, and you think of the songs that he's written, the things that he's been a part of from the early days of Metallica, you know, he wrote The Four Horsemen, for fuck's sake. Like, you know, um, he's you, you listen to Rust in Peace or Peace Cells, and, you know, those albums are... There is, there's, again, in thrash metal, they're as good today. I mean, we'll talk a little bit later about the kind of where thrash metal sits in 2019 and has it progressed well it's very difficult to progress when someone like dave mustaine takes it to the places that he's taken it like the things that he's done with it the way that he's kind of you know been so forward thinking in the way he used his instrument and just you know so obviously we wish dave mustaine a very speedy recovery and the problem is matt is that for a lot of metal i hate to sound like an old dude but are these people being adequately replaced? I think is what a lot of people are feeling. Do you know what I mean? Is there going to be another Dave Mustaine anytime soon? I'm not. I'm not sure. I would say no. Mm. I mean, people like that only come around once in a lifetime. And the yeah. thing with him is, and the reason why I remain positive for his recovery is, he's one of those dudes who he even said in that tweet, like I've faced obstacles before. This is a guy who has been through a world of shit and come out the other side. And he's one of those guys who's such a cantankerous, angry, and I mean that in a positive way, like he's been able to use that energy and channel it and focus it. And I think he'll come through and beat the shit out of cancer because he's one of those dudes who, you know, you can't keep Dave Mustaine down. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So good... Um say good luck Dave but actually we mean get well soon obviously and no no good luck with fighting it because although you know obviously the early signs seem like it's uh well Well, Tony Iommi kicked the shit out of it didn't he yeah Bruce Dickinson as well there is a history of iconic metal people just sticking it to cancer fucking off cancer so you know you like to see it um yeah so there you go Dave Mustaine get well soon right let's talk about downloads um you were there from you said Thursday Thursday yeah Oh, God. I was camping and I didn't want to arrive on Friday and spend the day trying to, I'm pretty useless when it comes to pitching tents because I try and avoid mm-hmm. it at all costs. So mm-hmm. we arranged to go on a Thursday so we could get all that done and then settle in. And we went to see our friends in a band called Sweet Little Machine and yep. Ed Gamble mm-hmm. uh, out on the uh, dog, not the dog tooth because that, the, the village, the what? dog house, dog house. Dog house. So uh, yeah, we got there Thursday. Had a few brews, mm. went for a wonder, and then uh, you know you wake up Friday, wet, cold, hungover, and that's the start of it. So you're like, <laughs> Here we go, yeah, <laughs> ding ding, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was there, and let's lead in however you want to lead in with the first band. Do you want to go through chronologically? Yeah. Or? So um, just for uh, I, I had no intention of getting up early <laughs> to uh, to get into. Well, we should say we should backtrack two years, maybe three. And say for the record, the, uh, the the real Drownload year, the year where the rain was like the worst and the wettest it had ever been. Mm-hmm. I witnessed Steve stand inside the edge of the press tent all day, 
with the biggest scowl on his face saying, I will never come to download ever again because the weather just ruins it for me. This is it. I'm out and I'm never returning. So even to see you there, I was surprised. Well, the th- okay. And I've <laughs> been the three years since then as well. So I went the year after and the weather was has been nice for the last two years. And I thought, well, you know, we get these weird years where, you know, 2016 was terrible. 2015 wasn't much nicer. 2012 obviously was terrible. And then even the Sunday on 2011 was appalling. So was it in 2010. You know, it, How it's do you rained remember every all year. This? I've got it, mate. Cause I've, I've, cause, cause I, have I just a, hate rain. Yeah, because I have a vendetta against the weather. That's <laughs> you why. were actually screaming. Who was I watching with? Who are we? Dinosaur pileup. We were watching Dinosaur pileup. That was on a Sunday. You just said, fuck off, God. As soon as the rain started coming down, you were livid. I'm not happy. Just not happy, mate. So um, I knew, obviously, it was going to be shit. So I thought, I'm going to wait it out. There's nothing on that early that I really wanted to see. So I got there. I think it was about three o'clock I got there. And um, I decided, while the weather was quite nice, because ironically, it was fairly nice the first few hours when I got there. And I went to watch Cavell Attack. Um, you a fan of Cavell Attack at all, Matt, or are you not so much? I am. I've got a weird connection to the band in that my ex-girlfriend is their booking agent. Ooh. So I don't think I would go to see any of their London shows because <laughs> I purposefully want to try and avoid her. But in terms of the band themselves, I love the way they, you know, obviously came from kind of out of nowhere as yeah. this fresh entity. And then I loved the album with the song 1985 on where they went full on space age kind of like retro rock and roll. I liked that progression. But you weren't a fan, were you, of that record? But they've got a a whole new singer now, right? Got a new singer. And he brings, um, I've not seen him with the new singer, but I think Renfrey saw him with Mastodon who reviewed them earlier in the year. And what I noticed immediately about Cavell Attack, and I don't think I mean this in a kind of insulting way, but they came on and... They looked old. Is this download now or the yeah, Mastodon download? Game? Download. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Renfrey saw them in Mastodon. I didn't, and he said, "Oh, they've got a new singer, and he's good." And they walked on, and I thought the other day, and I thought, "Well, they," and I was just struck with like, man, they seem kind of old, and they seem a bit tired, um, just because they were so exciting when they first came out in 2011. That mix of kind of Oslo punk and black metal sung in their native tongue, like, and that first album was just like so exciting. And I don't really feel like they've been that exciting since. So my initially I was like, ah, you know, they played a lot of that kind of old school psychedelic rock and roll stuff without the black metal bits that I don't really get down with as much. But I have to say, um, when they kicked into, you know, anything from the first couple of albums, I was, they had, it was back like when I first heard them. And the dude who's the new singer, it's not really very gimmicky. There's no owl head, although he did. The owl's gone, is it? The owl head is gone. Although he did stub a cigarette out on his hand at one point, which is, I guess, is, you know, if you're an old singer walks around with a big owl on his head, you've got to do something. (laughs) You've got to have your own gimmick, haven't you? So his is obviously. He's the the fag guy. Stubbing cigarettes on his hand. Stubs out butts. But he had a real, like, he had a real sort of hardcore punk. He had a real kind of 1980s hardcore. He was almost a bit like... Um, what, like a Rollins vibe or...? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But he's got kind of, he was kind of long hair and denim, so it was more like... Um, you know, weirdly, they kind of reminded... They started to remind me more of Turbo Negro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like, um, obviously, that's... A lot of it is the Norwegian connection. Um, but Turbo Negro are just fast and loose and dangerous. And Cabell Attack... It, it felt less kind of classic rock and it was getting more into the vibe of being punk like death metal was, and hardcore yeah, fucking it was kind of other. rolling around on the floor and screaming and it just looked more like like you said like a kind of dc punk basement show but actually on a big 
massive. They were main range, stage, sure. were they? Second stage. Second so they stage. were on the Zippo Encore stage. I think they were on at the same time as Blackberry Smoke, which is where you were, which we'll talk about in the moment. But overall, um, I thought they were decent, Cavell Attack. I would like to see that in a little club where it belongs. There's certain bands that just belong indoors at night. Yep. And maybe we'll talk about them later. I don't know whether you saw them, but a band like, say, Opeth. Mm-hmm. I think they belong, you know, maybe not for them in a, a club show, but certainly indoors at night. Yeah. I so you agree. can fully immerse yourself in the spectacle and the vibe. But yeah. having said that, there's something quite cool about seeing a band like that outdoors in the day. Yeah. Because it it's wicked, like a, a juxtaposition. You know, and had it have been, I think maybe if it had been sunny and dry and everyone was jumping around and throwing beer everywhere, that would have made it a different vibe. But kind of outdoors and wet and rainy. Or your favourite elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it was just like, it's not the ideal scenario to be watching them in. That being said, I thought they were good. And I would like to see them in a smaller venue. Because, you know, when they're good, they're fucking great. And they're really original. And it's just, it's a shame that, you know, it kind of took me back um, to like a couple of times to the first time that I saw them, the first time that I heard them. The first time I saw them, actually, where they were on, they were fourth band on a bill. It was Converge, Kylesa, Gaza, and Cavell Attack on first. And I just, I think there was about 20 people watching Cavell Attack when they played the Yulu in London. And I remember being like, this doesn't really sound like anything that I've heard before. That's what I mean. When they came out, it was so out of left field. Mm. And I think the key thing, singing in their native tongue, just yeah. a cool thing. Like, yeah. if you can do it and still win over an English audience, then that is proof in the pudding that your band is fucking ferocious. Like, yeah. look at Ramstein, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Stick and to your guns. Yeah. And, you know, they haven't kind of done what a lot of people wanted them or expected them to do. But um, but yeah, I'm 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 kind of after being a little bit off on that last album. I'm I'm kind of back. I'm far more interested in Cavell Attack again now than I was at the start of the weekend. That's for sure. It's interesting why their singer left because the last time I saw them would have been supporting Metallica on their Hardwired yes. Arena tour, and they were in the round thing and they were owning it. And you think, well, if you get to that level, opening up for Metallica, and you're not happy then you must be really unhappy. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. we're supporting well, Metallica, tough, fuck it, I'm out. That's a tough that was a, that's a tough gig, man. That's a tough gig. I mean, I'm seeing, I think even, you know, we, we spoke last week about Bocasa opening up for Metallica and, you know, that's a tough uh, stadium as well. That's that's a hard fucking gig for a, a three-piece punk band to be playing at, like, you know, while people were still at work. Yeah, 5 p.m. or something, and yeah, it tomorrow yeah, it starts brutal. well early. Um, anyway, but while they were on, you were watching Blackberry Smoke. Now, Blackberry Smoke are a band who, uh, we don't really talk so much about those kind of classic rock bands from the the classic rock staple, the sort of modern rival sons and, you know, Greta Van Fleet and all that kind of thing. Although I have to say, Blackberry Smoke are one of the few bands from that scene that because, because they remind me so much of the Black Crows, who I love, I think I do have a little bit of a soft spot for um, Blackberry Smoke. Um, how were they? They, well, for anybody who's not familiar with them, they're very much, for me, they sit in the middle of these three influences. Black Crows, who you said, Exile on Main Street era, Rolling Stones, and then Skinnered. And you mash all those three elements together and that's what you've got. And they are just like class musicians Mm. and they're a perfect daytime festival band. I think if the sun was shining again, it would have been even better, but... They just kind of had this perfect sound. I was watching them from the top of that Pepsi Max Tower thing. Yeah. You can walk up there and get in for free as a tip for anyone if they're there and they didn't see it. or you Because I saw it and kind of think, oh, that's a corporate thing. You'll have to pay loads of money. But you can just walk in, go up, and then you can, you know, you get a ticket and you can watch the main stage from right up the top. So that's where I was watching them. 
and they just sounded great and everybody was just kind of you know like swaying and bobbing they covered um come together I, that's what i saw by the I beatles down, I saw a bit sounded amazing and i just like their kind of like good time rock and roll and for me at that point in the day they were the first band that i saw and for me it got things to the right start. Yes, I think they would have been. I, I mean, you know, them into it was Clutch was straight on straight after. Yeah, it was the it? perfect one too. So it was me. a great. That's a great one too. Them into Clutch, um, who who will just roll straight into. We next. might as well just roll straight into. Yeah. So I actually didn't see all of Clutch, but what I did see, man, oh, that band of fucking dynamite. Always. Yep. Um, they so can do great. no wrong. There's there's a few bands. The songs are so good. And the whole package is so real and it's, you know, there's no exaggeration. Do you know what I mean? They're a sincere group. They're not, there's no gimmicks with these guys. These mm-hmm. are just fucking dudes who are fucking playing stoner rock and they love it and mm-hmm. that's it. And uh, they do it very well. The sound again was amazing. And often when the weather's a bit shit, that's when the, the sound can we'll get around. blown around the field yeah. and stuff and it can get a bit diluted, but they were just dialed in. They sounded great. They had a massive crowd. I mean, we were watching them from fairly far back mm. uh, and even around kind of the halfway point of the field, there was still people like locked into the show, fucking smoking weed. I think whenever you've got a band like that come on and you just smell the air and there's just marijuana everywhere, <laughs> it's just like, all right. And again, that's the good thing about seeing bands like that outdoors. Like nowadays, because you can't smoke in venues, you know, people are less inclined to light up a big chahonga yeah. and start getting stoned. And Everywhere I looked watching Clutch, there was people just smoking weed with a shit-eating grin on their face. And I'm like, this is what festivals is all about. And the other thing is, they're a band with, how many albums are they talking about now? Like 10, 11, 12 albums? Book of Bad Decisions that came out last year, they played well, they played a lot of their set was from Book of Bad Decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of set that I saw. I don't know, you know, I as I said, I only watched the sort of second half of it, probably the last two thirds of it. Um and I, they did play a lot from that record. I mean, obviously, when they went into Electric Worry and then X-Ray Visions to close, forget about it. Like, <laughs> it's it's over. It's on. It's over. Like, for, if you are a just a fucking straight-ahead rock and roll band and you're having to follow that, like, those, that's the closer, you... Go, you know just accept your silver medal yeah the and they don't town. even need to try do they effortless with yeah. bands like that again blackberry smoke slightly different thing but they're both the same entity and they're just effortlessly what they are which is fucking cool great musicians like the the leading figures in their respective fields yeah and just you have to just stand back and go yeah yeah i appreciate I, everything you do seeing jp gaster their drummer go from that end of electric worry into um, x-ray visions that little kind of what is it like 25 30 second long drum solo that he does before he rolls them into it it's just it's just cool it's just like that like you say they don't even need to try it's no. just effortlessly cool and they've got so many great songs that what was it 45 minutes 50 minutes they have a main stage you know they played a that is a pipette. That is a, a that is a, a, a if, if, if you, you enjoyed of, saying that word. Yeah, p- that is if, if Clutch's back catalogue is a full bath, then all of it is great. And you are taking a little tiny thimble of that in 45 <laughs> minutes and actually getting to hear everything. So, you know, they, they could have played for six hours and I would have been like, yeah, more, more. I DJ out in Camden a lot and I always play Electric Worry and X-Ray Visions. Mm. Banks. Like one on the Friday, one on the Saturday, and they're always the highlight of any set because people just fucking, you can drink to it, you can headbang to it. 
Class act. Class act. I didn't see all of it. And the reason I didn't see all of it is because I somehow managed to squiggle my <laughs> petite little bottom into <laughs> the dog tooth stage so I could go and watch Conjurer. Now, we've spoken on this podcast a lot about Conjurer. Both myself and Renfrey had um, Maya in our top 20 albums of the year. I think both of us said it was the best debut record of 2018. Um and I've seen them a bunch of times. All we ever say is, oh my God, aren't Conjure great? Conjure are great. Conjure are great. They're a fucking brilliant live band. So I don't want to just... Did they back it up? So I didn't want to just come on again and go, Conjure are great. And I'm, luckily, I'm not going to have to do that because there are two things about this. Firstly, I can make one little complaint, which is not their fault, but the sound in that tent initially was not great. It's quite airy and Conjure are a band who need low end and depth and like rural that those riffs have got a really like rumble and initially it didn't quite do that they were still playing to you know a very very high standard but it didn't always they had their sound gremlins which you know that stage was kind of plagued by sound gremlins on that first day for sure um but when you are a young metal band and you how old up, are we talking what's the average age in the band do you know early 20s early 20s definitely yeah, early 20s when you're a young metal band on your debut album on your first time at download you want to be making some sort of statement do you know what i mean you want to be turning up and you want to be pulling people a bit like i mean you know obviously the kind of the go-to reference for this is that trivium show in 2005 where they opened the main stage and everyone went batty for them um this was as close to that as you could imagine on a smaller scale there were people, four or five people stood around me while Conjurer were playing, who, as the set went on, went got progressively more and more wide-eyed. <laughs> Some dude turned around, he was like, I've never heard of this band before. And the people next to him were like, no, I haven't either, I don't even know who they are. And they both were like, when, at the end, Brady went, we're doing a headline UK tour soon, see you later. And they were both like, we have to go, we have to go, we have to go. But who are they? Yeah, yeah, like, when, when yeah, yeah. You should have said who you were, you prick. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, but, um, but you literally, like, saw people being won over in that field in front of you there. And those songs, once they did get going, I mean, there's a bit where, um, what they always do live, where Dan, the guitarist and vocalist takes his guitar off and goes to the front of the stage and without the mic and just screams like a cappella out into the venue. And normally when you see Conjurer, they're playing a small venue so you can hear him. But he was filling the whole fucking tent with his voice. And you're like, man, that dude's got some serious power. And you could just see by the end, it was packed and they had fucking won everybody over i think it that's what festivals brilliant. are all about isn't yeah, it absolutely. once you get away from the the known acts and the big stages and as you say you kind of just stumble into a tent by accident discover some group that you've never heard of before and by the end of that whatever set time it is 20 minutes half an hour yeah you're like this is my new favorite band thank yeah. god i walked in here at this point in time and, and saw this yeah and you could see by the look on their face i mean they're kind of their bassist at the end when that massive riff um, that they kind of end their whole set on was, was just rolling. They just roll this riff out over and over again. He got in the crowd, came back out. It's like his bass pack had been ripped off. He had fucking mud all over him. And he was just like, you could tell that that really, really meant something to him. So it was wicked to see. And uh, I'd like to see them get a chance on one of the big outdoor stages. I know that might seem like quite a jump from kind of, 
you know, three in the afternoon on the fourth stage to kind of early on on the second stage or, you know, maybe even first on the main stage. But if there was a band who could do it at the moment from this country playing metal, like them on that first Slipknot day, oh, well, it's not unheard something. of. It's a separate genre. No, no. But um, to draw a correlation, I once watched Slaves play the BBC Introducing Tent at Reading mm. to about 10 people one year. The next year they did the lockup and that tent was basically full. The next year they did the uh, BBC Enemy Radio 1, whatever that tent's called. That was full. Next year, main stage. Mm-hmm. So in four years, from 10 people on some side stage tent to the main stage at Reading with a huge crowd, just up a notch every year. So I'm sure it can be achieved can from those guys in the I download really, world as well. I really, really, really hope that we see that happening in a, in a year, a year or so. Um, he I, just needs to remind himself to tell the people in the tent the name of the conjurer. band. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also stayed in that tent to watch Lost Society really quickly. Fiendish, um, fi- fiendish? Fiendish. Finnish. Finnish thrash band, not Fiendish. Inbred scans. Yeah. Um, Lost Society, poor bastards, man. Like, decent band. Just tough act to follow, was it? Tough act to follow, half the crowd, and they came on. And with what's the most important thing in thrash metal? Fucking guitar riffs, right? And the first two songs, they didn't even realise there was no guitar. I mean, not like it was too quiet. There literally was no guitar. And people just going, put the fucking guitar on. So, ah, mate, it was... It was brutal to sort of see that. But when those guitars, ironically, when the guitars came in, everyone went, yeah, and it kind of gave everyone a second win. So they were good. I mean, they're not, you know, it's 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 um, it's thrash metal revivalists. Sort of, they look like a thrash band. They sound like a sort of 80s thrash band, um, but not one of the big four. One of the not so good big <laughs> ones, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But they were fine. Do you know what I mean? They were absolutely fine. Um, while I was doing that, I believe... You were watching The Interrupters. Yes. Um, and I was surprised, actually, at the size of the crowd for them. But here's what probably happened. Because they just played Slam Dunk, like yeah, two, true. maybe three weeks prior. A small crowd? It wasn't a small crowd, but it was smaller than I thought it would be. Okay. And I don't think many bands do both Slam Dunk and then Download, because they're so close together. And they had such a big crowd at Slam Dunk, and that's very much their audience. And they were brilliant at Slam Dunk, and they were brilliant at Download as well. But the tent was not at capacity, mm. which I thought it would be. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether it was just the the day itself wasn't their day or what was going on. But I mean, they were flawlessly the interrupters. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. got exactly what you'd expect to see from their set, which was just skanking fucking riffs, great melodies. Mm. But I think great just fucking, but just a great band, man. They're an amazing band. I, th- I think just because I'd seen them a couple of weeks prior, that same sense of excitement wasn't there for me watching them. And at that point, I started bumping into a lot of friends because loads of people that I know are into that band and that scene. So I was more distracted with catching up with people then. So I can't knock the interrupters for my lack of focus. Yeah, it's not it's not a home <laughs> crowd. Like them playing with no effects and bad religion and less than Jake. Well, they still had on that stage that day, obviously, Real Big Fish. They had yeah. on Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. I mean, that stage was very much catered to a Slam Dunk style crowd mm-hmm. that day. I do just wonder... Because Slam Dunk is so close to it. Like, if you're into all those bands, you're probably going to go to Slam Dunk and you're going to see them all there. Yep. So then if you go to Download, are you then going to go watch Real Big Fish, The Interrupters, Me First, and all those bands again two weeks later? Do you know what I mean? When you could be seeing some other types of music. I think there are casual fans of that stuff. 
at download the sort of people who go to download for the well the day that they saw with Def Leppard or you know if you have people from the the kind of the grunge the people who'd be interested in seeing the pumpkins or you know we'll talk about dinosaur pile up in a little bit and those kind of bands the people who go to download for rock bands as opposed to metal bands and then there's a massive load of them but you know the sort of people who watch shikari on the third day yeah are the sort of people that are going to want to watch those bands but they're probably not massive punk fans so they probably go i remember real big fish because they're on mtv all the time i remember less than jake because they're on mtv all the time because they're big bands who can play huge venues oh there's no doubt about that yeah there's no doubt about that whereas the interrupters are a newer band for during a time when Scar is not as commercially viable or popular as it was back in those I would just days. say don't put on the same band that Slam Dunk and Download. Yeah, I think it's true. as simple as that because they're so close to each other. Mm. That That's the only thing because otherwise you're like, well, I'm going to go see something else because I've yeah. just, just seen them. But I love them and they're a great band. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, they are. No, mate, they are a great band. Um, I didn't get to see them, but one band who didn't make the mistake of playing Download and Slam Dunk were Australian blackened prog metal band Nate of Liviscaris, <laughs> who I think... They're never going to do it, are they? They're never <laughs> yeah. going to make that mistake. Yeah, they're not going to make that mistake. They're Good gonna, for them. Newfound Glory begged them to play Slam Dunk. <laughs> come on, come out with us an all-time low. And they said, no, no. no. As much as we're we holding know, out for Download, yeah, guys. Yeah, as much as we know Waterpark fans would love our 17-minute-long violin led black and death metal cross with progressive technical metal <laughs> songs we're not gonna do it we're not gonna do it um but yeah noble of are are a really really interesting band i'd say certainly one of the biggest curios of the entire download festival bill this year um they have never replicated how good they are live on record i don't think um i've never been particularly blown away by their records but live i think they are just so intriguing a band bathed in kind of white light that they kind of shone out into the crowd so they just look like these silhouettes they're a really odd looking band you know the the lead singer is very effeminate and very um kind of androgynous he's got a bit of a kind of he looks like brian molko by way of kind of shagrath from dimmu borgir <laughs> Right. He's got that kind of thing. You know, he's wearing a corset and he's got really kind of lank um, black hair that covers his face over. He looks really moody, but at the same time, he looks quite pretty as well. Um, and then the rest of them sort of look like a typical death metal band. And then they've got another vocalist who does the kind of more of the clean singing and who also plays um, it's cello or vi- cello, like violin, I think. Yeah, I think it is. Vi- yeah, it's violin. So he plays it, <laughs> not cello. Cello is a massive one. Cello is the massive yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So he plays violin and he sings the kind of clean singing. He plays bit. violin and sings. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it's really, really cool. And they, everything about, every time I've seen them live, I've gone, I have to go and listen to their records. This band are fucking brilliant. And, their records never translate. So again, I thought, one, I thought it was just really cool to have a band who are so weird like that, so high up the bill on one of the smaller stages at Download to, you know, to pull in a, a decent-sized crowd. They did have a decent-sized crowd. The people down the front were going fucking batty for them. Like, they had a really, really committed, hardcore fan. Like, they're not, to me, they are not the sort of band, despite what I've just said, ironically, they're not the sort of band who people are, I don't think that people would be sort of casual fans about i think you you're love in them. the you, whole yeah, nine you yards either yeah. love them or you just don't get it at all i think it'd be the thing um but what i you know i i thought they were great and they sounded really good as well it's the first time i went to that tent on the fourth stage and i thought you can hear everything really piercing you know the vocals sounded just right um 
they only got to play a few songs, you know, like they've got long songs. They're a very, very weird band and they're you're not your typical festival fair, but I thought they were fucking, re- they really impressed me. It really gives me a lot me. of faith as well that there's still that curio element to festivals like Download because some mm. years there are times when I think, has that gone from these bigger festivals? Now there's so many smaller ones. You've got like Arc Tangent and things yeah. like that catering to those people. And I feel like a lot of the time they're going to look at download and go, well, I could spend yeah. X amount of money to see like one or two bands that I love when I could go to one of these smaller ones. But the fact that people still are is reassuring. Yeah. And-, and we had it last year. I remember being on that, that exact stage last year and seeing Igor and seeing Zelenada and both of those bands are, you know, bizarre, extreme experiments in music. Yeah. And both of them got a really good reception. Both of them got a really big crowd and both of them to me pointed at something where, you know, it's not like say it's not downloads bread and butter that sort of thing. There's bloodstock, there's Arctangent. You know, I, I always I thought to myself, wow, would it be better off having you know that this stage catering to kind of just what people wanted, I guess. But actually, you know, seeing the crowd that someone like Zionada got last year, I would I would like to see download go like get Def having a headline in that do a Hellfast style, like- yeah. Yeah. Death metal tent almost. Mm. And I think they've sort of like, there's definitely, when you look at the headliners at the Gates Municipal Waste and Carcass on that stage, yeah. there's definitely like a much heavier vibe in that tent, which, you know, I'm all all down for. But um, but yeah, Neoblivious Sky was really cool. And I felt like I needed after that uh, to watch something that was a bit more fun. A palate cleanser. Yeah. So we went and watched the last bit of Rob Zombie. Now, we would like <laughs> to review more of Rob Zombie, but... Was it just me, or did Rob Zombie finish really fucking early? Really early. At least it seemed that way. Well, I knew there was going to be no clash with Hailstorm and Slipknot. That was made clear on the programming. Hmm. But I thought there was an element of interlapping. And so we're rolling over there, aren't we? And we hear him go, hey, oh, let's go, yeah. covering the Ramones. And we're on our way there. We're all psyched up. We think, oh, a bit of Ramones. This would get us in the mood for it. And then almost... Two seconds later, cheers, guys. I'm out and back yeah. back off to Mars now. Yeah, Thunderkiss 65, Dracula, and then we're done. That's all we got. Yeah. Um, hard to know what else there is to say when we saw, I mean, one, because we saw so little of it. Massive crowds. Huge. Obviously, for Rob Zombie, you know, Rob Zombie at download. Kelsey Prees, he got a massive crowd. Of yeah. course, he's going to get a massive crowd. I've seen Rob Zombie at download a whole bunch of times now, and I think he headlined the second stage a few years ago during Biffy Clyro. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that. And that was the time where he had... A lot of rain that night, if I remember right. Yeah, and he had a massive fucking stage show. And he had a massive crowd. And it just felt like everyone went, yeah, zombie, zombie. And and again, you know, a massive crowd. But I, no, I, I didn't feel like the atmosphere was as charged as it was the last but it, couple Because of it was early. Like the yeah. sun was still up. Yeah, it was still, it, it was still it was, light. It was, it was sort of dusk, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's just one of those tried and tested, book it and you know he'll deliver like staple download acts. Yeah. And I think if you said you've seen it a few times, there's very little to get excited about. But if you go there expecting a certain thing, you're never going to be disappointed. No, I mean, what we saw, I thought, you know, Dragula's great and it sounded really good. You know, I, I didn't mention sort of the... The, the 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 second stage the zippo stage did have much more swirly sound always does than, it always um, does yeah, yeah. But, but but zombie didn't tend to have that as much i thought it sounded really big and it looked cool you know the stage set looked cool again the stage set didn't look as spectacular as the the last couple of times i've seen him so you know he played the main stage in 2015 just before avenge went on and that was really bad i remember thinking oh this is pretty fucking dreadful sunlight you know no stage set show at all just a big 
monkey backdrop. A giant yeah, and inflatable we were like, alien. You got nothing. Yeah, we didn't even have that. He just had a <laughs> picture of a fucking, of King Kong behind him. And I remember thinking, hmm. And he really came back strong, you know, the next time he came. Uh, but yeah, he's kind of cemented himself as that dude who headlines the second, the second stage, stage yeah. every couple of years and, you know, turns it into a big old muddy rock club for an hour or so. But he went off early. You know, annoying. Um... We Robert. Saw, Robert. You, you, you didn't see any of Def Leppard? I did see some of Def Leppard. Okay, yeah. Go on. yeah, yeah, Shout I saw some of Def, Def Leppard. Leppard. Uh, just sounded flawless, as they always do. They always sound perfect. Like it sounds like it's the record, which blows my mind because, you know, Hysteria is one of the most brilliantly produced albums in the history of rock. Yes. And they sounded amazing. Um, the songs that I saw were the ones I wanted to see as well, kind of first half of Hysteria. So that's where all the uh, you know the big hit singles are. I heard them doing Animal. Animal, Pour Some Sugar, caught mm. those. And then that's when I went to meet you and we we headed over to Zombie. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I mean, I've seen them a few times now. They've headlined download in the last, what, six years, seven years, three times? That was this their is, third time in like what? Thir- no, third time in 10 years. So 2000, in 10. In 2009, and then they came back and did it in... 2000 i want to say 2011 that's a lot though isn't it that's like almost every other year three to three times in 10 years 2011 to 2019 is not too much is it when you think well that's eight years three times in eight years well no 2009 2011 2019 is that what it is yeah so 2009 for me it's still a lot (laughs) it's still too much (laughs) (laughs) when you think of the amount of times that slipknot played it in that period now they've done it five times yeah, but there's fifth. something a lot Even more... Even Aerosmith, you know, I've done it three times. There's something a lot more exciting for me about all of those bands, mm. particularly live, like Def Leppard. I don't know, they 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 aren't my... And you know me, I love ACDC, Kiss, Aerosmith, like that is my shit. Yes. But there's just something about Def Leppard. They're just that bit too dad rock for me. Like, mm. I think they belong more on a sort of a rambling man bill now. Fair enough. I mean... I didn't really see enough of it to judge whether or not it was good and I couldn't really tell. You know, like I don't mind a few Def Leppard songs. I think they're quite good. Very, very, you know, very sugary. Yes. Very sweet. Very kind of... They did, I mean, to add to what you said, the sound, it was so polished. Yeah. There's not a lot of, like, grit in Def Leppard, is there? No. I think that's my problem. Yeah. But i tell you what we did see. What did we see? Uh, which did have a lot of fucking grit on it. At the fucking gates. There you go. And it started shitting it down when out the gates came on. Yep. So we stood by the edge of the tent. Because it was too busy to get in. Too busy to get in. Getting fucking pissed on. <laughs> air drumming and banging my head. To I've the got the best video on my phone of you and Johnny Doom. You're doing air drums. He's doing air guitar. Yeah. Both of you lost. Yeah. Lost in the moment. Now, I'll say this. I don't think at the gates are necessarily the most engaging, visually engaging live band in the world. What at the gates have is if you like melodic death metal at the gates are your favorite band because they just write fucking incredible songs absolutely worldy songs for that genre for that little niche thing if that is your bag fucking hell you can't not fucking love hell. you cannot not love at the gates and 40 minutes at a festival 40 45 minutes i think they had with all of that material that they've got i mean particularly when they whack out slaughter of the soul two songs in oh it's just the shit. And for what, again, post kind of Nail Bliviscaris, and I sort of moaned about the, the sound. I think they didn't have the great sound first straight away. When that snare cuts through, bah, 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 like 
That was probably the exact moment I was filming you. Yeah, and that that <laughs> was the moment when I was like, "This is a joy. This is a, this is a joy." Even though it was pissing down with rain, I felt I should be miserable in the mud. I just I just love that band. Like they were fucking awesome. Really great. I think what we've hit on here is day one of the festival, a real broad church of acts, and not really a single bad word to mm. say about anyone. Nope. And I think that is kind of the tone of download for me this year. You said at the start there wasn't necessarily a maybe we'll get there with Tool, I don't know, but it didn't feel like a historic, monumental, once-in-a-lifetime festival experience, for me at least. But there was certainly not any moment across the whole weekend where I was like, oh, I kind of want to go home now. Mm. It, yeah. ju- it just felt like all the boxes were ticked this year in terms of lineup, in terms of like mood, vibe. Yeah, and I would say for me, I think I think Friday was decent. And I saw some very, very good bands. And yeah, it's probably the worst day of the three. Yeah, me. I would so, say. Let's move on to Saturday. I didn't get there in time to see them, which I was a bit annoyed about. But you saw Royal Republic. We. I've been meaning to catch these guys for a long time because I like their albums a lot. They're I right. like the cut of their gym. Yes. They were brilliant, you- dude. They were. I mean, they came on at midday, which, you know, I think for a festival is early. A lot yeah. of people kind of only stagger yeah, out of their tent day, around midday yeah, and you've got the walk from the campsite to get in there. So any band going on at midday, that's like a tough slot, I think, whoever you mm-hmm. are. Uh, the sun was shining for them, at least, you know, enough for it to be bright and kind of not in any way dampening. I'm mm-hmm. just using loads of weather metaphors there. Yes, thank you. Uh, good job I'm not a weather reporter, isn't it? Yeah. And they did this brilliant thing where they were like, right, we want to get, rather than the world's biggest circle pit, we want to get the a most amount of little ones. So the guy was trying to get everybody to start three man. He's like, I think all you need for a good circle pit is three people. So I want everybody to get there, 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 to just start up three man circle pits. So everywhere where you look, there was just like trios of people running around in circles. And they're one of those bands that came out in these red tuxedo suits, hair, all perfectly quiffed like boots polished within an inch of their life. So they look the business like think the hives on speed. And this was them. And they came out and they just smashed upbeat, high octane, good time, rock and roll song after another. And it's the best way to start the day. I think with a band like that, and there wasn't, there wasn't like a a non-smiling face in sight. What an odd, when you think later on, we got, you know, behemoth and trivium and slipknot and bands like that. And, You've got Royal Republic, who've just released this kind of really dancey, sort of hard rock disco record, which yeah. is fucking which is a great record. Yeah, the new but one like, is very 80s day glow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, can, pop, we compared it? it to Huey Lewis in the News. When yeah. We, um, yeah, completely. Uh, when we reviewed Anna it. Lee, very that tune, Anna Lee. Yeah, they, yeah. they even played that. And I was like, whoa. And they were even making a joke about it, though. They were going into like, I think, a Slayer riff. And because, you know, they're obviously from that part of the world where heavy metal reigns supreme. So they're all well versed in fucking death metal, thrash metal. They love all that stuff. And so I think they can riff on that and kind of acknowledge it and and make fun of that fact that although they're not a heavy band, they still belong there and Mm. they're excited to be there. They won the crowd over massively. The singer's a very charismatic dude, Adam. And uh, they've just got the hits like they've got legitimate rock and roll hits to kickstart, I think, a good festival 
um, anywhere in the world. And I think the English crowds have always embraced them. I saw their first ever UK show in Birmingham Academy 3 to like 12 people Wow! when that first album came out. I think I I was the first person in the UK to play Tommy Gunn, well, them in general, but Mm. Tommy Gunn, the first single on the radio. And so I've watched their growth since then and their evolution in sound. And uh, I love them. Can't say enough good things about that band. Yeah, they're an excellent band. I'm going to make sure that I get around to seeing them next time. I was a little bit annoyed I missed them. But, you know, it's been a long night. and, um, (laughs) And I got in just in time, luckily. Now, if you listened... To our festival preview show, I said, just you wait. It's going to happen. Power Trip are going to fucking destroy Download. They're going to rip it out of everyone's hand. And I am delighted to say that that is exactly what happened. I have not seen, again, it's the, the Conjurer thing. It's what we're talking about with Trivium. I've not seen uh, a metal band and again, a young metal band full of people in their early 20s get up on stage in front of a Slipknot crowd or a Ramstein crowd or a, you know, fucking Metallica or a Maiden crowd or whatever. Obviously, this being a Slipknot crowd in this case. And just fucking batter. Just grab them by the scruff of the neck and go, you're, our you're ours now. You're a fan of our band <laughs> now. Yeah. And again, so many people stood around me like... The nerve of that band. <laughs> I can I can never get over how, you know, executioner's tax, swing of the axe, is absolutely like their signature song. And to just fuck it off two songs into the set is every time I just go, I cannot believe you are still just tossing this anthem that you've written, an actual heavy metal anthem in 2000, well, 2017 when the album came out, and you are happy to just fling it out, second song in the set, not even open with it, and not, like, you'd expect you, everybody who knows that band would have been, uh, who hadn't seen them before would have been like, oh, they'll end with Swing of the Axe, Executions Tax, of course they will. Second song, and it, and it, it didn't drop after that at all. Like, they have got the same thing. They're from Texas and they've got the same thing that Pantera have got. That fucking come here. Like Conjurer are a bit more um they kind of they kind of float above everything. Cerebral. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a bit more um yeah, cerebral's good. Cerebral and also kind of just a bit odder. Do you know what I mean? Like they they will get people, but it's a bit weirder. Whereas there's no fucking frills with just Power Trip. Straight at all. in the gut. It is, it is just like you know, like Pantera, like Slayer, like any of those bands. Those those people come from the punk scene, and again, I think you can absolutely tell they are essentially a hardcore band playing thrash metal. And I think I've said it before, they are the 21st century's best thrash band. They are if they'd have come out in the 80s. They might have taken Anthrax's place in the big four. <laughs> They're fucking brilliant. And to see people turn around again going, what? Like, oh my, seeing people going, oh my God. Like people in Slayer shirts who probably go, look at these kids yeah, getting yeah, up on yeah, the stage. Yeah, yeah. Arms folded. Yeah. Go on then, impress me. To see those people to, getting whoa. Up, being like, <laughs> fucking hell was my God. It was, it was a proper moment. And I, and I said it would be. Good for them, um, good for you. And yeah, I knew it. I just, I knew it. Um, and it actually meant that Behemoth struggled to follow that a bit, I think. Um, certainly the instant um, 
musically, the in, you don't get the same level of instant gratification from Behemoth. They are very, even with a new record, which is much more, you know, I know Nurgle's called it their kind of ACDC rock and roll album. You're still a black metal band, mate. You're still a kind of black and death metal band. You're still heavy as fuck. <laughs> like, you still can't go on and expect... Hasn't got that instant direct. Yeah, you can't expect Corn fans to just get it straight away. Um, Nurgle's vocals early on were really, really low in the mix, which I think doesn't help because there are odd but you know the odd bit to lyrically and kind of vocally to grab onto uh from that new material and without that it did just sound it sounded very very extreme like great um I, I often wonder with festivals why they don't extend the gaps between the bands and just have a playlist playing or something and just give the crew and the sound guys a bit more time to adjust everything because I've host, I've hosted a lot of stages at a lot of different festivals now, and you know a twenty five minute changeover time is fuck all time mm. when you're going from you know you say like a thrash band excuse me ugh, a thrash band into fucking something like Bamoff so different mm. maybe they should just kind of give that set time changeover a little bit. Well, I think the when longer. you get the kind of certain festivals with the rotating stages, yeah, that's I the think one. It's noticeable how much better like those a Hellfest bands, when Hellfest you can stand or, yeah. or Sonosphere. You know, when they do have those kind of rotating stages and you go, okay, you've got 45 minutes to an hour, maybe an hour and a half to set up for the next band or whatever, like it's it's definitely noticeable. It is, isn't it? And because yeah. I think you can kind of tell in the first few songs, a lot of these bands are still trying to find the mix, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, so, you, if you've only got eight songs, that's like a third of your set yeah. that suffers because of it. What they did have, though, is visually... Fire. I mean, visually, but yeah, loads of fire. <laughs> four costume changes um and they just looked like fucking badasses it's like you're going on a slipknot day you know slipknot famously the band who have all the crazy shit like the way they look the way they behave the stage show they bring with them and i've got to be honest in terms of looking on the screen and going what is that behemoth um were the most ex like odd and extreme looking band of the entire weekend. Uh, it was fucking great. And I have to say, you know, I said it about their, um, their London forum show and it being the kind of the, the biggest extreme metal show and the fact that they can only get bigger. I think, I don't think they've hit a ceiling yet. I don't think that glass ceiling has quite been hit yet. And it showed, and, and, and they proved that, you know, there's definitely an appetite for that because they drew a huge crowd. Um, a lot of people were kind of, there was a lot of people who were just curious. And I think unlike the people who turned up and might've been curious about power trip and then went, Oh wow. I wonder if the curious people were like, well, that was kind of fucked up. I don't really know what to make of it. Um, but I hope those people go and actually, you know, dig out behemoth's back catalog. And by, you know, by the end, every time I see them and Nurgle goes, <laughs> goodbye my friends we will be back hail satan i just <laughs> i just think it's so great um yeah it's wicked so they were really good uh they were they were really really good i think you can only describe it as a as a success story um and after those three bands i think that's a strong opening three and we didn't talk about whoever was on first cane hill was it somebody else was on first oh no uh alien weaponry who i missed unfortunately who um Everyone said we're great. And they got Royal Republic, Power Trip, Behemoth. It's a strong opening to that stage. And it feels like the band that people talked about the least on this stage this day were Skinjeds. 
Yeah. Which is odd, right? It is odd, but I think everybody has seen Skindred do download and crush it every time without fail. Yeah. And, you know, once you've seen the Newport helicopter and seen that display of energy, uh, and it delivers every time, and it delivered this weekend as well, but mm. I guess there's not that much in the sense of like a hype band to, you know, discuss Yeah. once you've seen it a few times. But they're always fucking nothing less than the best. Like they're one of those bands, I've seen them live, and I'm sure you have as well. Well, I know you have countless times, like mm-hmm. countless times, and they're just incapable of a bad show. Even on days where Benji might not have even slept and he's a wreck, like they'll still, five minutes before showtime, just get on those costumes, get in that zone, walk out there and just decimate whatever stage they're on. And they are literally incapable of phoning in a show or putting on anything less than the best. I think any other band with that reputation or that kind of lack of hype around them amongst, you know, the media when, when you yeah and you look at that you look at that lineup for that day and it is bands who are the most promising you know it's alien weaponry are 15 years old they're the most promising original young band in metal power trip are the best thrash band since god knows when behemoth are bringing you know fire and extreme metal for the very very first time we'll talk about the ant word and the first, you know the return of trivium the kind of the great you know kind of resurgence of trivium this weird thing the ant word slipknot's return you know like Skin and then Skindred like and Skindred are playing and I love that about them though because yeah. they're like oh what about us they don't give a fuck yeah like they know they're not the darlings of the media yeah uh, they knew that a long time ago and they know that they'll never be I think embraced or accepted by the press or the mainstream or any of that so they just keep their heads down keep plowing away do what they do and just kind of walk out like here we go again yeah and I think any other band in that scenario would have just been completely forgotten about but because Skindred are that good. Because they are that fucking good. And how skinny and well does Benji look? Like yeah. the, the dude has lost half his body weight. Yeah, like literally half good. his body weight has gone. He's in the gym every day at the moment. And just kind of seeing this thin front man, because he's skinny now. Yeah. I was like, it's kind of weird. But just the energy that he's now got. I mean, he was never less than the fucking ball of fire. But now he's mm. got that kind of like toned, chiseled body on his favor. It was... It was, I mean, what else can you say? Yeah. They pulled a massive crowd every, it was, you know, there, 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 <laughs> there were people who would have walked away from Behemoth with all the hype that they had and still gone, nah, not for me. There were the people who seen Power Trip and gone, I've heard this before. There might be people in Royal Republic gone, nah, I want people, something that's a bit heavier. Too silly. Yeah, yeah there'll yeah. be plenty of people who went, well, I'm not sure about all the other bands on this day. No one in that field went, yeah, we weren't really sure about that. Do you know what? Zebrahead are like the house band of Slam Dunk Festival. Yeah. They had a year off this year because they played Download, funnily enough. But every other year for like the last eight, they've played Slam Dunk and they've crushed it. And they're almost like the Slam Dunk house band. And I would say at this stage that Skindred are the Download house band. Yeah. That's their title and no one's ever getting that from them. No, no, no. no. It it was fucking awesome. And I still say, you know... (laughs) Bit people, of Gary from Refaction as well. Yeah, yeah. People, yeah <laughs> people can turn around and go, Skindred over passing, and oh, they play all the time, they play too much, they do this, they do that. I, You know, when they played Bloodstock, they were the best band of the weekend, right? And it's a fucking extreme metal festival. I wouldn't rule out them headlining that one day because, you know, you know, you and I are in the media and we can't be too kind of sneery about it. Well, we could do, I suppose. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have in the past. Yeah, I but... I genuinely don't think most people give a 
fuck what the media think when it comes to skin dread. They are they just ev- you everybody skin wants dread, to see, yeah. yeah, including skin. Everybody wants to see them. Ignore them as much as you want. Everybody wants to see them. If you put them on, everyone will come and everyone will have a good time. And and every time they play, there'll be a hundred, you know, a big festival like that. There'll be another there'll be another hundred, two hundred, three hundred, five hundred people that go fucking hell, that band are really good. And then they'll go back and listen to Roots Rock Riot and Babylon and Union Black and they'll go, wow, this band are great. I mean... What they need to do is Greatest Hits album, like their yeah. live set, put that on a CD. They should... And, why and don't they release a live album? They need to. If you're listening, boys, live album. Get that live album out, lads. Warning, warning. <laughs> but yeah, again, I mean, Kel Supreme's Skin Dread were fucking great. Yeah. And we're not just saying that because they are dear friends. Oh, mate, they I, are. you know, I've I've spoken about some of their albums before and gone, yeah, you know, but live, never, never. And it will never happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just don't believe it will happen. I didn't get to see, unfortunately, I was doing an interview. <laughs> so I didn't get to see all of Trivium. Did you see any of Trivium at all? I saw a bit. Uh, I'm not a massive fan. I am aware of the story. Uh, and the kind of the trajectory and the, the, the arc of their last five years or so. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, In Waves was great. And then the one after that, the Snowfall one. Yeah, rubbish. Well, that was yeah. kind of when they went Well, it's Vengeance Falls, the one they, they did with David Draymond. And then Science in the Snow was bum. And I have to say, like, I didn't see all of the Trivium, as I said, but I rushed over to see as much as I could. And did hear from where I was doing my interview, I did hear that if, you know, I was in the, I was in the press area and I could see them on the screen and they, one, they got, seemed to get a fucking massive crowd. And two, I couldn't help but notice that they were playing a lot of stuff off the sin and the sentence, which is great because it's their new album. They've been around for, again, they're another band with uh, sort of 15, nearly 20 years under their belt. And they've released not their best ever album, but certainly at this point, it's their best album in a decade comfortably. And, um, and it was great to see them kind of lean in on that and the people were really getting into it. So by the time I got back around to them, they only had a couple of songs left. Um, in Waves is a fucking monstrous closer. <laughs> Just, and, yeah. I think that was the only song I caught, which was kind of the only one I was excited about seeing. Yeah. So that's yeah. all good. I mean, you have to pick and choose. The other thing with festivals, we're talking a lot just about bands and their sets. Oh, yeah, but with with festivals, you've got to find the opportunity to eat to go to the toilet, to go to the bar, and it almost becomes like a militant operation. You have to pick these windows in your day, mm. especially if you're trying to like keep together with a group of friends as well. It's almost easier to just pick one mate or even go like solo and rogue because then you're not trying to herd up. Do you know what I mean? Oh, we've got to go here. Then so-and-so wants to go here. It can become like a bit of an obstacle course trying to like tick all the right boxes of the bands that you want to see and then actually fit in an experience yeah, definitely. in and around that mm. in terms of, as I say, food, drink, toilets. Yeah, Et al. Although, and most people may have picked that window of opportunity whilst our next band were playing. Matt, yes. the all-time wildest wildcard in the history of Download Festival, I think. Deantwerp. Yeah. Um, in between Trivium and Slipknot. Yep. Got a lot of chat, this, didn't it? A lot of talk about this band um, playing this festival, particularly where they were on what stage and at what time. Um, before we talk about what actually happened, what was your <laughs> original initial reaction to Deantwert being 
confirm the download. I support it entirely. I wrote an article for Team Rock, which may may still be available under the new banner, whatever the new banner is. Loud is it louder than Loud, sound? Louder, just louder. louder. Uh, if you Stop type, giving press. <laughs> if you type in Diane Twert louder, uh, you'll find an article that I wrote, um, basically presenting a case as to why they're a punk band, mm-hmm. um, because they do not give a fuck about anyone or anything mm. and that for me is punk it's mm. complete freedom of expression it's complete i don't care what's going on with anything like they're so out of step with everything they're so original and bizarre and completely idiosyncratic and completely absurd and they just don't give a fuck and so i, I saw them in brixton headline brixton academy about two years ago one of the best shows i've ever seen like musically uh, I think you said this to me, and I'll back you on that. It can be a little bit throwaway and silly. Uh-huh. Uh, they're not a band that I would sit at home and perhaps listen to the whole record of and really go down that rabbit hole, but live, phenomenal. And I'd seen them indoors, and I I knew, and I'd seen them at Reading before as well, and they obviously, that's their crowd at yes, Reading. Yes, yes. They can decimate Reading in their sleep. But I knew they would fucking bring it to download, and I think they, I think they brought it and then some. I watched them with a huge group of friends, and I didn't see anyone still, like the whole area, not just my circle of friends, but the circle around that, the circle around that was just bobbing, swaying, bouncing, laughing. They just brought like a South African rave to a rock field <laughs> for 50 minutes. That and is not my experience of watching them, I have to say. No? Um, well, no, where I was stood, there were some very angry looking people in their like push-up chairs in their steps. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. T-shirts. There was a, one guy walking <laughs> off in literally shouting at the stage as he walked off. So I did see them get some shit, um, which just, at that point, I was sort of on the fence. When I heard that, I was like, oh, actually, it is good, yeah. It's going to annoy that and, guy. Anything if it's going to annoy, annoy that guy, yeah. If it's going to annoy the guy who rocks up in like a sort of, um, you know, one of those camper chairs, a fold-out chair. <laughs> a fold well, you just nailed chair, it. A fold-out yeah. chair with a leather cowboy hat and a Godsmack t-shirt on. Yeah. No offense if that's you listening, but mm. <laughs> he's not listening. <laughs> he's definitely not listening. But but thank, I thank God for for bands like that because if nothing else. It proves that you can think outside of the box and be brave and daring, and it can work. Mm. And you know, this isn't Daphne and Celeste at Reading. This isn't like a no, ga- no, no. This no. isn't a gamble, and this isn't a complete misstep. This is a wild card, yes, but it is one that is, and especially before Slipknot, dude. Like, what better palate cleanser? Because I mean, imagine warming up for Slipknot if you're a metal band. Yeah, rough. Right. Whereas Diane could not give a fuck. Like, oh, Slipknot are on next. Give a shit, ah! Fuck you, Fucking slip not. I I have to. Say, so here's the thing, right? I, we did. We had trade off, and I gave Renfrey um, uh, the Antwerp album previously, and he fucking hated. I it. bet it is the antithesis of what Renfrey. Oh likes, yeah, yeah, he absolutely hated it. <laughs> and I said at the time, some of this is really good, some of it is not so good, and I kind of felt like that about their show to be honest there were times where i was like this just sounds like too unlimited <laughs> with two people going yeah fuck fuck off, hey, download. Boom, boom. fuck you download you're a bunch of fucking cons put your fucking hands in the air eh? <laughs> like that was and i was like i don't need to have like Ooh, two really kind of aggy <laughs> pikey south africans telling me to fuck off while i listen to like but you do yeah, that's the thing well, you just didn't know you, you needed while that i listen to like entrance in the background <laughs> so it was weird but when they got it right and they you know they looked 
they looked re- like you say you know everything you said I, I absolutely agree with they look really weird they don't give a shit they're they're genuinely strikingly odd looking mm-hmm. they play an incredibly weird out of step type of music i mean some of that stuff they were playing i'm not even fucking around when i say like two unlimited and scooter and entrance and you know 90s elect not you know 90s electro rave pop like that's what it is it's like <laughs> with somebody shouting over the top and it was kind of telling when ninja jumped into <laughs> to, the, to, to like sort of crowd surf and he jumped in the crowd he's going in knees first and people seemed like they were moving and people I, where i was stood people didn't know what the fuck was going on yeah man and it's such a rare thing for that to happen people scratching days. their heads looking yeah. confused intimidated in some instances like definitely eh? like from, from down the front when it cut you could see as he walked past people were in people were intimidated you know these are people who are waiting for slipknot mm-hmm. to come on yeah and they're getting intimidated by some little girl and some big, like, lanky, weird fucking... <laughs> some seven-foot yokel. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... And a bloke in a fucking ape mask. Like, it's... I've... It, I've, was, it was thrilling and entertaining and divisive, which yeah. for me is all the right checkboxes for, you know, what confrontational art yeah. should be. And I was really... I, I really enjoyed seeing them. Like, I don't know how... It was... I would describe much, it as jokes. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was pure jokes. Yeah, I don't know how and much more of it I could take. <laughs> no, no, no. Like by the end, I was like, "Man, get the fuck off this stage now!" But um, and they but they ended, you know, they ended with um, uh, what Ninja in it? I'm your butterfly. I'm your butterfly. Your protection. That one, and that's a wicked song. So uh, and yeah. babies on fire. Yeah, they. That's a banger. Yeah, they um, they pulled it off. The Antwerp. I thought they were great actually. When they were great. When they were rubbish, they were pretty rubbish. But it's but it's at least it's a different it's a story, kind of a rubbish. It? Yeah, it's as a well. story, isn't it? I mean, certainly. But you know, I saw five minutes of White Snake and you know a bit of Slash as well, and I was like, well, I never need anyone to put this fucking slop in front of me ever again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather have. Yeah, but I'd rather be kind of weirded out by Dantwerp. Yeah, weirded out than is the right term. White I think. Snake. Um, which all leads us to our final act on. Uh, by the, can I just say? I fucking I was going to go and watch Carcass after Dianne were and I thought Carcass were on during Slipknot and they weren't there was so zero I, clashes for Slipknot so it was all Carcass. done by them and everyone told me Carcass were great and I just want to point out that I was going to go and see Carcass anyway I'm really annoyed that I didn't see Carcass so I miss Carcass because of my own stupidity um, let's talk about Slipknot can we talk about Hailstorm before? This was oh, a sorry, Saturday yeah, go band, on, mate. Yeah, I sorry, I didn't write that down. But so you I ran over to catch them. I caught about the final 20 minutes. And I mean, again, I was one of the first people not to kind of blow my own trumpet. I was one of the first people to play that band on the radio. So you're um, to blame. So I'm to blame. Come on now. <laughs> and uh, I saw their first ever headline UK show again in the Birmingham Academy 2. And I took the band out after that show and we had this fucking amazing night in one of my local pubs in Birmingham. They've been dear friends for about seven years and I've watched their ascension and it's been a fairly rapid one, you know, in in the space of seven years. And the crowd which they pulled was bigger than zombies. The crowd which they pulled, the crowd which they pulled for their set was fucking humongous. Wow. It, It might even be the biggest I've ever seen for that stage. It was monstrous. Seriously? Yeah, it was fucking huge. Did you see Limp Bizkit there? Uh, no. Well, that was that. insanely big background. <laughs> like really well. fucking insanely big. But, you know, um, 
Continue. Continue. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they just killed it. They absolutely killed it. They sounded incredible. Uh, Joe had like a Union Jack guitar, which was getting a lot of love. People were on shoulders. There was a lot of, as you'd expect, families, females, and it was a real diverse crowd of just rock and rollers from every age, stage, mm-hmm. gender, whatever. You know, it wasn't just your typical fucking dudes fest. Uh and they were brilliant. And I was just I got like a proper little emotional tear in my eye watching them because they just brought oh, it home, man. You. They brought it home. Yeah. Um and I think they're they'll be headlining. What, it, the main stage? Yeah, I think in five, ten years, I think they will be one of the bands that will rise to that spot. I fucking and know. you can buy me a beer when it happens. I fucking won't be bu- I won't <laughs> be buying a ticket for when that happens, that's for damn sure. You'll be buying one anyway, you media wanker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i loved them i thought they were great and if you did see them tweet me and uh see if you can verify the the size mate, of the crowd I'm sure. or whether it was just my drunk vision at this point no maybe I, I mean if, it was a if, big crowd if man. that's what you say I'm, I'm just trying to think of like huge 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 headliners from that stage from over the years i think zombies won definitely limp biscuit the limp biscuit crowd when they headline was massive um but think how many G? fucking records well limp yeah biscuit I mean, have sold like, by comparison even well, even Zombie, like can, when you compare from where he's he's from the nineties, you yep. know, like how many fucking records of White Zombie sell? How many records of like, um, you know, that, that that first Rob Zombie album must have shifted a couple of million, and there's no way, you know, Manson as well. You think you think of yep. the people that have headlined that stage, and the amount of Manson, albums Biscuit, that they've sold Zombie, compared to Hailstorm, Prodigy, um, you know, Trivium when they were hot, Motley Crue. You know, there's been some fucking big bands. And Hailstorm, like, have only just passed 30, like their early 30s. Yeah. I reckon it'll happen, dude. Mark my words. I mean, I you think know, there's a few more albums they need to do. They need to develop a bit more. Uh, but I do think by 2025, they'll certainly be contenders. I am by no means in any way a fan of Hailstorm's music, I have to say. But they at least have a little bit more life about them than a lot of those bands who. Um, we're going to talk about one from the Sunday, but that kind of American radio rock thing—the shine downs and the see—I don't—I don't lump them in with that. I just think they're a badass rock and roll band. I don't even lump them in with the kind of quote unquote female fronted bands. I just think Lizzie is a badass rock and roller. Well, like yeah, she's the kind of—it's classic rock, though, isn't it? It's classic rock, yeah, but yeah. it's not that kind of post fucking grunge fucking no, be- no, breaking no, no. Benjamin shine down. No, no, that's true. Even Alter Bridge, they just got way more balls and bite. But they're certainly, they came up at, the, at a similar time. Or yes. they, they, they've grown to prominence at a similar time as a lot of those bands. Like the conversations now, if you're putting them in as a potential future download headliner. Them and then, Blackstone. Yeah, they go into the same kind of conversation as Blackstone, who, who I, I do quite like Blackstone Cherry. Blackstone Cherry and Alter Bridge and I guess Shine Down and maybe even, I know they're older, but Disturbed and those sort of bands. Those are the people that people are going, who can be the next headliner? Who hasn't headlined yet and doing it? And if you're putting Hellstorm in with them, they do at least have far more energy. Maybe not. Maybe a similar amount of energy as a Blackstone Cherry, but they certainly have more energy than Alter Bridge mm. or you and know. more diversity as well. Already, like there's very different pockets of that band's sound, and I think they'll only develop and build on that. Well, anyway, let's anyway, get to the main event. Let's get to Slipknot, you so, maggot. Yes, um, Slipknot broke the record for most download headline appearances on Saturday. They were what tied. Did you say? It was their fifth? It was their fifth. They were tied on four with Iron Maiden. This puts them out alone in front. Wow. As the the band, who's obviously this is Download, not Monsters of Rock, don't at me. Um, <laughs> but when since Download has been Download, 
Main stage headliner status, Slipknot, five times. And five times since 2009. Um, they've only had one new album out since that period. And also heard, heard another interesting fact about Slipknot. They're the only band that have had a different lineup every time they've headlined. That's when you've got nine guys, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. going to be a lot of in and out. That is fucking, that's fucking wild though. Both of those statistics are fucking wild. They're a unique entity in and of themselves, aren't they? There's never been a band like them. There'll never be another. I think the reason yeah. they are so massive and successful is because there is a fully realized vision. And that's always been there from day one with that band, from mm. the packaging to the costumes, to the sound, to the presentation, the videos, everything. They're a, like a Rammstein. Like they're, a, they're an art installation almost. They're yeah. a full-on artistic statement beyond music. So I spoke to John Feldman from Goldfinger once, right? And he said on the Warp Tour in whatever it would have been, 99, was that when they first yeah. started touring hard? Oh, who Slipknot? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, did Ozfest 99 was the first kind of big tour they did, yeah. And he said he would see them every day in baking hot heat in a car park in watch it, whatever buttfuck nowhere's town of America yeah. it was. And they would be doing their rehearsals in the full-on regalia. And they would like smash themselves up to the point where they were puking and passing out. And that's just in rehearsals so that when it came to the main event, like a boxer or, you know, an athlete, they'd have put themselves through the ringer enough in the training so that when it came time to the main thing, they were like ready to go. Yeah. Like that level of commitment. And mm. they're just savage, aren't they? They're a savage band. They're a savage band and they're in a position right now. Now, I've seen Slipknot... Um, at this point, I can't... I, off the top of my head, I can't tell you. A lot. I've seen them a lot. And the last few times I've seen them, I think, po especially kind of post the grey chapter, obviously, you know, the 2009 headline download performance was something very, very special. Um, when they came back at Sonosphere, the amount of emotion because of it being the first thing they'd done since Paul Grey passed away made it, again, quite special. Um... But then after that, I have to say, the times I've seen Slipknot has not been my favourite time seeing Slipknot. Particularly at Ali Pali and at Wembley, they'd started to feel to me, not in a kind of, this shouldn't be taken as an insult, but... A brand more than a band, Well, perhaps. a professional rock band. Yeah. They'd started to be, in the same way as you go and see Kiss and there are moves and there are things that, you, that are expected of you that you expect people to do when you go and see that that band and i like maybe they were phoning it in i mean i think even i think phoning it in seems by their standards yeah i think even by their standards i think that's a little bit harsh i think it's more i don't think phoning it in the is danger the right had word. gone yeah i think they just they found the way to do slipknot and it be well, this is how we do it every night which is still in and of itself an impressive yeah, very fucking impressive. achievement and, and you know no don't, easy don't get one. me wrong I'm not saying, oh, I saw Slipknot at Wembley and they were crap. Yeah, like, that's yeah, not yeah. what I'm saying at yeah. all. I'm just saying, I was at the Astoria in 1999, in their first ever UK show. Here he is, here he is. I, <laughs> I was there. I, well, I was. And I remember seeing it and I remember being like, well, this isn't going to last. And here we are fucking 20 years later and they're headlining festivals. You know, that band I saw at the Astoria had more in common with Black Flag or At The Drive-In. There's they, a shelf life to it. They're going to burn very brightly for a short space of time. Exactly and then, that. Boom, yeah. it's going to implode and it's over. Yeah. 
and which makes the story all the more inspiring it doesn't does. it? that they have continued and not only continued but grown and grown even without releasing new music like mm. continue to grow but i have to say i thought on saturday now i don't know if it's because of the circumstances they currently find themselves in i don't know if it's because previously you know people looked at the gray chapter and some people went oh it's a cory taylor side project and oh the heart of the you know like joey's gone and Paul's gone and now people saying, oh, Chris Venn's gone. I don't know what it was, but something about Slipknot on Saturday to me felt fucking dangerous again. They played faster than they've played for a long time. They played looser than I've heard them play for a long time. It didn't feel like the set was, 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 was kind of made up of beats. It felt like those moments happened. They really happened. And I'm not saying that, you know, there were preordained things before, but I certainly watched them at Wembley and I thought, you know, I think Wembley being the key one. When I saw them at Wembley Arena with Corn supporting them, I thought Corn blew them off the stage, to be honest. And I looked at Slipknot and I thought, there is a profession, a very, very professional, that they have morphed from this wild thing into a very, very good. Oh, it's like an animal that's now heavy, tame. Yeah, right. Like a professional heavy metal band. And then I watched them on Saturday and I was like, mm, maybe not. Mm. there's something that has happened to them you know people know what's been going on in the Slipknot camp recently um, with all the kind of upheaval that there's been and I think some you know sometimes you look in the mirror and you go yeah do you know what fuck it let's like actually fuck it like they open that set with people equal shit into sick you don't get much heavier a one-two punch headlining headlining any festival anywhere ever in history ever that people will shit into sick as your fucking opening two songs you're headlining Donington where fucking Def Leppard played the night before mate well that's what that's I mean when I was it. referring to Def Leppard earlier is just like the yardstick yeah I mean you if you want danger and excitement that's where you go isn't it of course and yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, they were, I feel, as unhinged as I've ever seen them. Yeah, there's something going on there. I'm, there's genuine, there's, there's something has happened. To, I mean, you know, obviously, again, we know what's happened. But definitely within that band, I think when you listen to All Out Life, the song they put out at the end of last year, and everyone went, wow, it sounds like the first album again. And I think Unsainted is really good. I'd kind of got to the point where I was like, yeah, you know, I love the first two Slipknot albums. I really love Volume 3 and it's such a mark, uh, you know, kind of it made them a very, very different band. I've not really cared about the last two particularly. And I found myself being a bit like, eh, but I'm, I'm well back in on Slipknot now because that was fucking awesome the other day. Like, I'd like to see them come back and do a full like fucking arena tour soon. Yeah like hot off the heels of this well, new album when it comes out. and Yeah. Well, Corey said, we will see you very soon, which, you know, bands don't say that if they mean, you know, we're going to be <laughs> playing another festival next year. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. You would think there'll be plans because obviously the album's going to come out in, um, in August and usually around kind of, yeah, I mean, in the last, when you think of the last few years, there's always, there's always, you know, there's a big tour in January from a big metal band. We, you know, we had, um, Metallica a few years ago, Avenger a few years before that. It does, you know, Five Finger Death Punch played Wembley Arena a few years ago. You know, that is the sort of time, end of the year, start of next year, 
that's when those sort of bands tend to do big shows. So I, you know, I, I'm not just saying this. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea what their touring plans are, what they have planned. But it would be good if they but did. Fuck me, I would. Fuck, <laughs> you know, I think on this form, I would love to see those guys come back. And I, you know, I don't know what you. I, I hate the fucking venue because it's so far hard to get into, and the sound is also shit. But you know. That that Ali Pally because when I saw the last Ali Pally show, I was like, "Yeah, it's good," but you know, it looked like an arena again. It looked like a big arena show. Um, they've obviously, I don't know. I feel like they've, something's happened, and they've or they've obviously seen something. Maybe they've seen Partway Drive. Maybe they've heard Code. You know, obviously Corey's heard Code Orange. You know, maybe they've started listening to newer metal bands. When Point Five, the Grey Chapter came out, you and I were doing Team Up Radio together. We were doing that breakfast show, and I think we both went. You know, but felt, the, felt tired. But at the time, how many metal bands did we get our hands on? Because I say to you, like, I want to play newer metal bands, but there never was anything. Yeah, in 2014, nothing good was coming out. So yeah, Slipknot, maybe it's maybe it's that case, right? Of the, and I mean this respectfully, the older guys trying to reclaim their crown. Yeah. Like, fuck these young dudes who are coming up now, mm. and like maybe that's got them hungry and. Well, they kind of excited again in all out life. They kind of allude to it like, you know, um, older or uh, younger does not mean better, I think is one of the is one of the lines in that song. So they're obviously, you know, bands get second wins, don't they? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Bands get second wins. And, you know, we, we saw it with um, loads of bands from the 80s during, you know, like Maiden. If you remember people. Who well, remember Motorhead the 90s. is yeah, a great Motorhead and, well, and Maiden. Yeah. Like people will remember when those bands wouldn't get touched by the media. They were sort of thought of as old, embarrassing. And then, you know, they get the second wind and they get the second. And if we're reaching, I guess what you'd call, you know, Slipknot's popularity never dwindled. But if we're reaching a point where Slipknot have suddenly gone, hold on, we're not meant to be a fucking arena band. We might play arenas, but we're not an arena band. That on Saturday, that did not look like an arena band to me. That did not look like it belonged I mean, it, it did because it was spectacular, but it did not feel like the sort of show that a download headliner puts on. The point of comparison, I guess, is System of a Down and how great comparison. tired and jaded. Yeah. And I love mm-hmm. that band. But when they last headline download, it was just such a dull show, wasn't it? Oh, and there was, there was no edge or energy. It's really awful. And they're clearly a band that have kind of just plateaued. Yeah, and I guess what we're seeing now with Slipknot is like, uh, 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 we're like, not going to we be the hit factory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is fucking great. It's great. Yeah, I thought they were very, very, very good, and I'm now like, I'm so excited to hear the new album. It should be fucking awesome. A wooga, a wooga. <laughs> yeah, bring John Fashion into it. What a better way to close up Saturday. Uh, Sunday, Matt, you and I watched um, the excellent fuck you, Renfrey, the excellent dinosaur pile up together early on. We did Mid- um, midday. Yeah. Again. I- I saw them uh, a couple of days beforehand playing a little pub in London and I thought they, they were they were great and I thought those songs translated very well live. But can they translate into a big stage, which I think is where those songs of Celebrity Mansions belong. Well, you call an album Celebrity Mansions and that's kind of you saying these are fucking bangers, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And... I've loved that band since day one, since 2010. I first heard them. I've loved every record they've done. I feel like there was a period in time about three years ago when Matt got so pissed off with the music industry because he's consistently writing these great songs, mm. but people aren't, they aren't, they're not biting. 
yeah. and they're just, ah, you've been around a certain amount of time now, your time's done. All these younger bands come through on the hype train and they sort of supersede them. And I felt like with this record, he just went, Do you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to write an unstoppable, like undeniably catchy, fun, brilliant rock album as just a fuck you. Mm. And you can tell that from the lyrics on this album. They're so carefree. Yeah. Like he's just having fun and he's not trying to appease or <laughs> It's please. so ironic that all the things that you're going, isn't it great that he's like, all the things that Renfrey picked up on as being bad things really? <laughs> last week. No, for me, it's the, the sound of a band that has just gone, this is basically our last shot. I mean, I'm kind of going to continue making music anyway, but this is really our last shot at any form of a career. Mm. And Matt's a lifer, like he's thrown his whole life and soul into that band since day one. And I felt like with this album, he was like, this is my last chance to cement myself as any kind of a successful, like successful musician in any sense of that word. So he's just gone, fuck caution, let's throw that to the wind and just make a fucking riotous rock and roll record. Yeah. And he's made a fucking great rock and roll record I mean, in the process of doing that. I mean, again, telling that a lot of most of, I would say three quarters of their set came from that record. Yeah. The last two were the first two songs off it. As yeah. Well, I mean, they? Again, like, I think 11, 11 is a wicked song. Um, and I've only just sort of discovered it from the last week or so from just hammering that new album, and then going to see them and going, that's a great song live, like wicked riff. And yeah, going that kind of thrash metal cassette into Backfoot as a closer, absolutely fucking banging. And even at mid, I mean, you know, you said it to me, you kind of lent over to me about half of your Tough slot, when, right? This is a tough slot. Second stage. Third no, day. Yeah, third day, 12 o'clock. It's just started raining. It's midday. No one's up. It's the last day of the festival. And you're a band that's been around 10 years. Yeah, like, you're a band that's been around 10 hasn't years. Hasn't quite peaked. <laughs> you're playing on the same stage as Slayer. Yeah. Like, fucking. All the elements were there to just fucking crush them, weren't they? But by yeah. the end... I thought they delivered. Hand claps, do wops, dancing. It was fucking yeah. I, it was really good. And on a big stage, those songs sound mahoosive. I, I, I'm I'm so I'm well into this band. I think yeah, man, fucking awesome. Everybody should go out and uh, buy the new album. Yeah, do it. And you've told me this about them for a long time, so I bow to your superior knowledge <laughs> at this point, Matt, because you told me about this band about five years ago, and I went, oh yeah, I'll get around to listening to them one day, and I sort of finally have. If you like Foo good. Fighters. Foo Weezer, Fighters. yeah, we said it all this last week. Silverchair, Foo Fighters, Weezer, Ash, even a bit of Faith No More on the new album, isn't there? With that, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Be uh, aggressive, ooh, ah, ah, excellent. Ah, ah, ah. Um, and then at this point, mate, I went to DJ, yes, and then I had to fucking leave. Okay, so I was the most excited about seeing Pumpkins and Tool. They were my two crown jewels for the whole weekend. But the guy that I came to download with had a meeting at 10 a.m. on Monday. And his original plan was, we'll stay till tall, we'll get in the car, we'll hightail out of there, drive back to London, I'll get a couple of hours sleep, do my meeting, and then I think um, he bottled it. His, his, his better judgment or Worst cowardice judgment. settled in, and he was like, do you know what, as soon as you're done DJing at three, I want to get the fuck out of here. Oh, so uh, after, after Pilot, that was it for live music for me. Done. Well, mate, so from I here will... on in, I will listen as you talk. Okay. Well, and I'll contribute I'll, what little I can. I'll refer to you uh, now and again. Um, <laughs> so you think you had a bad time leaving at three? I'll tell you what, I felt like fucking leaving because I had to, <laughs> thanks to my uh, my sideline at writing for Metal Hammer. Yeah. The good folk at Metal Hammer, um, <laughs> Mr. Jonathan Seltzer, trolled me by going, You, mate, you have to go and watch Godsmack. Oh, God. How big was their crowd? Uh, far too big too too big it was massive i was too leaving big. as they were playing and i was like what no no 
this can't be happening. <laughs> so I went to watch Godsmack and I thought, you know, your dad's band that do like weddings and stuff. I thought they're better than, they're just like this. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a bit of but dad better. wedding band action, Yeah, mate. it's like, I thought you should be playing fucking rock and, ruining rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. You look like that. They're just, and it was, the every fucking dog shit, pathetic cliche that I Did you write this in your review? You have to buy Metal Hammer <laughs> next month uh, to find out. Every single tragic pathetic what's the negative term for hyperbole uh i don't know whatever, whatever it is this is what we're enjoying right now yeah. a flurry I of insults i fucking hated it i hate i hate them and i hated it and i hate people who, who enjoyed it i think like how dare you come to my, to this come to, to my festival <laughs> they're the one like fuck the outwork yeah 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 they're yeah. who i want out yeah fuck me i don't have anyone over that shite so i watched 20 minutes of god smack he go hey, hey i need you to put your hands in the air england oh you don't even know where you are you tosser so it was fucking completely woeful sappy overly earnest yeah like meat and potatoes guff i, I fucking hated it um, after 20 minutes, I just thought life is too short <laughs> and I fucked off. And I just thought, I know what you're I've like, got. Matt, is there any room in that car? <laughs> yeah, because it was minutes away from Black Peak starting. And I okay. thought, I've seen enough of Godsmack. I don't need to see any more. I, I hate them. Um, Do you feel like Black Peaks were a band that were one of those ones that stole the weekend? Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw a lot of, because as I was leaving, I'm kind of in the car and we got stuck in a traffic jam on the M1. So we were literally stationary in my friend's car for about an hour. So I was just looking, kind of trying to live vicariously through the internet via, mm -hmm. you know, people who are still on, on site. And, and loads of people were just like, oh my God, they'd obviously just come out of the show and they were like, fuck, Black Peaks, like so incredible. It was 2016, the rainy year, that Black Peaks last played that stage that that zippo encore is it not zippo encore the um avalanche, avalanche. avalanche stage the avalanche stage and i don't know whose decision it was to give them exactly the same slot again surely after the slot they played and they played about the same time and about the same space as they did on exactly the same stage three years ago and yet they don't appear to have progressed up the bill at all which to me is fucking insane because one they've released an unbelievable follow-up album to the album that they were promoting at the time. Two, they have consistently been amazing live, not just at that download that we're talking about, but every other show they've done since. I mean, I saw them at 2000 Trees headlining stage last year and they were fucking outrageous. And three, people seem to know, you know, last time, I'm not sure people really knew who Black Peaks were, a lot of people. Whereas now, I think many, many more people are aware of this band. So I don't understand what they were doing on that third stage. I don't understand. I don't understand how they hadn't even progressed up the bill at all. That seems very, very strange to me. That being said, that's not their fault. Um, and also, if you're that band, that gives you that undercard element. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not not we've been written off, but oh, if you don't perceive us to have progressed, then we'll show you. And fuck kind me, of thing. did they show them? 
at first, again, you know, that tent has never got good sound. It's the only time I went in that tent all weekend, but it did not have, again, it, at first, you know, particularly with the um, uh, all that divides material, the recent material, Joe's guitar playing, taking loads of inspiration from um, from Brent Hines from Mastodon, those kind of, all that, that kind of weird shit that Brent does. You know, you can tell Joe is a massive advocate of that stuff and he matches him uh, from, for the most part on, on that record. But, you lost a bit of that early on. By the end, the sound had sorted itself out. Will's voice is just <laughs> absolutely <laughs> fucking <laughs> insane. Um, he's one of the best vocal performances uh, of the entire weekend that I saw. He was just fucking amazing. I mean, there was another guy later on today who was quite a good singer as well. Um, and I'm not talking about Billy Corgan. Um, and uh, <laughs> Who and is a fantastic singer, though. Or was he not that day? We'll find out. Um, but Black Peaks were amazing. They were fucking amazing. And it wasn't like last time. Like I say, it was not like last time where people were going, wow, who are this band? It was a bunch of people going, yes, Black Peaks. Yes. They have to be on the main stage next time they play. They have to be. They have to be. They've, I'm not even saying that I want them, you know, like I did with Conjure, I would like them to be lower on the second or whatever. Get that fucking band on the main stage. Get them on was, the main was stage. Was the tent rammed? Yeah, it was it was fucking rammed. Then I'm sure they will. They'll yeah, have seen it, has, it, you know. If they yeah. put them on the same spot in the same place a couple of years apart, they'll have seen the yeah insanity and the, and the, the new, growth. The new material sounded just um, just fucking blinding on that stage as well they're definitely I, a band that a lot of people seem to be behind um yeah. which is fantastic isn't it? yeah yeah they were great um i basically spent the rest of the weekend over on the the main stage so i saw a monomath who uh were great again like a monomath i think we said it when we reviewed the album a monomath have not changed their sound at all ever it's a fairly <laughs> kind of you know short what am I trying to say here? Let's you got a very neat, it's a, 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 it's a, a very narrow neat. corridor of, of sonic inspiration that they take from. That's it. Yeah. Um, they basically sound like a monomath yeah. all the time. Every single song sounds like a kind of cookie monster Viking shouting <laughs> over sort of slightly heavier Iron Maiden, right? Yeah, fine. Um, but a monomath at a festival, they kind of kill it because they look amazing, they look brilliant. You know, they've got a great, massive, massive stage show now with the fucking big Viking horn helmet as the drum rider. The dragon came out. Um, <laughs> Unleash the dragon! And, yeah. And, like, you know, they've got these dudes in full-blown Norwegian battle gear having a fucking sword fight on stage and stuff. Do you know what you need as well? On day three, on the main stage, you need something like that, a yeah. visual spectacle and something with an entertainment factor to kick you up the fucking ass. Do you yeah. know what I mean, because you're kind of lagging by that point. And yep. I always like to take those things into consideration because, you know, by day three or day five for some people, if they've been there since the Wednesday, like fucking fatigue is kicking in. You think you've seen it all. And then some Vikings here come, come the Vikings. And you just couldn't not, you, you, the couldn't thing about not smile and, and yeah. you can't help but like bang your head. You know, it's bitch, you know. It's, I was like, yeah, fuck it, we'll have a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll have a beer. I was like done by the end of it. I was like, I don't want it. My back's hurt and I'm covered in mud. I'm miserable. Like, I just want Tool to come on now. I just want Tool to come on. And Amon Amath came on and I was like, sun's come out. Johan's got a really cool stage presence. You know, obviously doesn't take himself ridiculously too seriously, unlike a lot of kind of heavy metal front men. Um, 
but yet at the same time he is quintessentially you know almost cliche in the nicest possible way full of the cliches of heavy metal uh but mate they were really 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 good and they'll be playing brixton academy which for a band who've been going you know 25 something years now uh to get to rise to that point again to rise to that point over 25 years just by basically playing death metal your singer just goes on every single song and you've never changed and yet they're still (laughs) they scratch that itch man they scratch that itch they're a great you know it's a great festival band um and then i saw lamb of god now lamb of god started like you would expect lamb of god to start the first few songs I was like, holy shit, they are going for the the number. Like, they are trying to... That Slayer crowd that are going up to watch Slayer in a bit, they're trying to win. They're trying to get them and go, no, nah, you don't need Slayer. Like, they were fucking on it. Randy was, like, seething. Like, you know when you watch... Have you ever seen, like, you go to a zoo or something, there's, like, a panther just walking up and down, and you know, like, well, this Living to here, be caged he in. will fucking rip your face off in a second like really he looked fucking furious and you know um they were whacking out like now you've got something to die for kind of second third on in the set and it was like oh shit this is like it's going off um unbelievably tight the new drummer who i don't know who the new drummer is but he's the guy who's replaced chris adler at the moment um was was brilliant um and i just thought this has got the makings of you know kind of an all-time great download performance for a very very heavy band on the main stage could be like a definitive lamb of god performance the last couple of lamb of god albums have not been as strong as their earlier ones so the midpoint of the set i felt sagged a little putting in five on five and you know stuff i can't remember from like resolution and stuff when you're dipping that in too much um or sorry five one one i think it's actually um when you're putting that stuff in and it's not as strong as like, you know, Redneck or Black Label or Laid to Rest or, you know, Curse of the Black and Sun or whatever. Um, it meant there's a kind of saggy middle to the set. Again, they ended with Laid to Rest into, um, into um, Redneck, which is a fucking amazing ender. But if you're in a band and you've got new material or newer material, obviously you want to play it. But Lamb of God, that day, they felt a bit like maybe their best days are slightly behind them. And I don't say that with any kind of pleasure whatsoever. I fucking absolutely love Lamb of God. I think they're, you know, the one of the best metal bands of the 21st century, a fucking brilliant band. But the last couple of albums have been good as opposed to great. And that saggy middle section of the set was good when I thought it was going to be great. I've seen them be fucking phenomenal since those albums have come out. Um, but this wasn't one of those occasions, I don't think. Weird. Wah, wah. Maybe <laughs> it's Maybe it's this, I don't know. I mean, Randy is a curio to me because he obviously fronts this insanely aggressive band. But then he's this very spiritual, zen introspective reflective kind of like laid back guy yeah and you just think is he at odds with mm-hmm. himself within that band and his his role uh, i don't think it doesn't <coughs> seem to be no i mean as you say he was seething hyper aggressive and... i mean he went and did he did um i think it was the end of 
Water Me in Hell when he just threw the mic down, jumped off the front of the stage, jumped into the crowd and did, I'd say, with the exception of Word, the most aggy stage dive of the entire weekend where he was just <laughs> crawling over people, yeah. you know? And he's obviously still, you know, dude's a punk. He's a well, punk. He's, yeah, he's from the Black Flag yeah. school, isn't he? He's a proper punk. So I don't think, you know, a lack of aggression or a lack of want to be aggressive is the problem. I just think maybe, I don't know, I guess... You know, Slayer had the similar sort of thing in the the, the kind of Christ illusion. Peaks and troughs, blood and Peaks repentance and have not been as good as the other material. So, you know, uh, and they leaned on that slightly heavier than maybe they. I, I would want them to. Some bands know, like you know, when you get to see Rancid, and they just play an Outcome of the Wolves. It's because they know, don't they? They know where what the, where their their bread's buttered. Some bands don't. You know, yeah, I guess, I guess sometimes because you're such an artist that kind of cares so much about your your babies, you know, it's hard for you to step back and be objective and just go, well, that's the fan favourites right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Let's just give them that. Yeah. And also, because they had that Burn the Priest album out, which had a load of wicked punk covers on it, I was kind of hoping they might whack in the Quicksand cover or, you know, the Melvin's cover or whatever, and they didn't. They didn't do anything from that. And I was a bit like, well, you think with that being the album that they're promoting, well, don't know about promoting, but the, the last release, you would have at least whacked in one of those covers, but they didn't. Anyway, after Lamb of God, I would say one of the surprises of the festival for me, Matt, because I went to Wembley to see Smashing Pumpkins. And you didn't like it, did you? It right. was mental. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the most mental things I've ever seen, Right. And so I feared for the pumpkins a bit of download because, you know, even though they can be very heavy, they've got heavy material, um, they are not your typical download fare. You know, they're a lot more sensitive. They have, you know, um, they have some very melancholic songs. You know, you're a fan of pumpkins, aren't you? I adore them, which is yeah. why I was devastated to leave before they played. But mm. I guess they were, were they, the perfect warm-up for Tool? I think so. I mean... They were, con again, contrary as fuck. Now, I don't mind that. I like Smashing Pumpkins. I don't need them to fill their sort of, their set list full of hits. Didn't play today. They didn't play 1979. Wow. They didn't play Tonight Tonight. Wow. They started with Zero. They whacked out Bullet Butterfly Wings third. <laughs> um, you know, they clearly didn't give a fuck about what was expected of them what was the visual presentation like really good like i, you know, I they had really cool visual so they've got these kind of ma almost like marionettes behind them three big kind of marionettes and they took they kind of one by one would turn around and get like black they'd go from kind of really multicolored to just black and white as the, the, the show went on and it was and you didn't notice it I, well i didn't anyway, i didn't notice it happen it just sort of happened very subtly throughout the set and it was you know i guess that's kind of quite a cool metaphor for the smashing pumpkins really like they are actually you know despite an outward kind of sheen and colorful glossiness they are actually a very dark band inside and um and i you know I, i'm sure that's what they meant definitely <laughs> that's definitely what they meant um but mate like hearing a song like disarm at Donington, which is you know i fucking absolutely love that song it's properly anthemic um and it's not your usual like i say not your usual download fare for a band to be playing a song like that of all their big songs that was one that i thought they might fuck off do you know what i mean because the 1979 today that's like, amazing that they didn't do them yeah 
and they've got Merca out and they did Snowblind by Black Sabbath instead. Like Merca came out um, heavily pregnant and uh, they did a cover of Snowblind, which was cool to see. I think a lot of people seemed to like them. They they went down well. A few people, there were a few grumbles about the fact that, oh, I can't believe they didn't play today. Oh, I can't believe they didn't play tonight, tonight. Like, you know, I guess if if you're playing a festival set, you've got to do what's expected of you. And the fact that they just didn't, and again, it felt like it's like, well, you, if you're a Smashing Pumpkins fan, you know these songs, um, and we can chuck out the big ones early on because you'll have a good time listening to the rest of our stuff. And I actually thought they were really good. I really enjoyed the hour and 10 minutes that they were on stage. I really loved. I enjoyed it more than Wembley, even though I did miss, you know, um, some of the big hits. Ava Adore, again, like Ava Adore was a song which I didn't really like when I was growing up. That was when I sort of checked out of Smashing Pumpkins a bit. I've seen it twice now. And both times it's been fucking brilliant. It's been one of the highlights of the set. It was really, really good. So I love Smashing Pumpkins. Um, and you're probably more like me, I would have thought. You probably would have appreciated it for what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've still... I saw them live once in Coco, and that was brilliant. They had Manson on with them. Uh, they did yeah, a bunch of that. tracks with Manson. They had, I think, Brad Wilk was drumming, I think. Uh, and it was just like everything I would have wanted it to be, like a small club show with this iconic, huge band. Uh, I adore them. I adore every phase and stage of their career, even like the kind of being beige stuff that mm. people was a bit kind of put off by. That's, oh, it's a bit wishy-washy, but I just love his voice. Someone once said to me that listening to Billy Corgan sing is like breathing in fresh air. And <laughs> I mean, I would have killed to have been there. Mm. Yeah. I should have killed the man that was driving me home. You and needed to be car. there, man. You needed to be there. I thought pumpkins were great, actually. Like one of the surprises of the festival, because I, I went along a bit like, oh God, so like because Wembley was so weird and because Billy is just such a contrary bastard. And he was kind of pretty contrary anyway. Like he he was throwing the devil horns a lot. And it was cool. Like James Iheart at one point went, oh, I used to have a, a tape of Live from Monsters of Rock and to be here at Donington, it feels really fucking amazing. And, you know, they're from the early 90s alt rock scene. Like those bands don't look excited about anything. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, they never look excited. Do you know what I mean? Like you can see the Melvins and, and Buzzers and going, oh, thanks for coming, guys. I really appreciate it. So when people turn around and go, oh, they looked a bit bored. It's like, well, that's grunge, dude. That's grunge, man. We were born. Them's we hate, the breaks. Yeah, you know, we're Generation <laughs> X. We fucking hate everything. Like, we're not going to smile for you and play the hits. And, and you know, a lot of those bands kind of do now, but the, I guess the best ones don't. Pearl Jam don't. And, uh, and Smashing Pumpkins don't. That's um, the band I would love to see headline download, but it probably won't happen with it because they just don't seem to do festivals. No, they don't do festivals so much anymore. I think they look at it and they go, this is a metal festival and we're not a metal band. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think Download needs a, a Pearl Jam, a Foo Fighters, or a Green Day soon. Yep, to, I agree. To, to inject some new energy. Not that those bands are by any stretch well, that's new. that's the thing, isn't it? They're not. But that, I mean, not, none of those bands have played it, have they? Green Day and nope. Foo Fighters haven't. I think nope. both Green Day and Foo Fighters would go over insanely well at Download. Yeah. If oh, Biffy definitely. can do it, then fucking so can Green well, Day and Foo yeah. Fighters. Well, yeah, I think if Green Day or Foo's had have done it before, then I think it would have been easier for Biffy. Biffy kind of took the brunt. Yeah. Muse and Biffy kind of took the brunt of like, this isn't usually the thing we usually get. Um, and they're, not as kind of well respected with some of the older crowd as Green Day or Foo Fighters or you know whoever it would have been. But then actually looking at Pump Pumpkins didn't get a massive crowd and it didn't feel like it was anything that special. 
but it, I still really enjoyed it. That's like, all that counts. Yeah, it was great. But <laughs> but what did feel special, and excuse me for when you talked about hyperbole earlier on. Here it comes, people. I've waited 12 fucking years to see Tool. And I stood... Was it not even 13? No, because I saw them at Brixton. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, after they played Download. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've waited 12 years to see Tool. It's been a long fucking time. Um, they're my favourite band. Mm -hmm. I've discussed at length on here. I yeah, no very, doubt, very no excited doubt. about them playing. Um, I've seen them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times previously before um, this show the other day. And I'd think because it's been so long, I've almost started, people go, oh, you must be going mad about No Tool album. And, oh, I bet you're going mad about No Tool show. I actually just got to the point where I've sort of accepted it and gone, yeah, they're not coming back. Like, fuck it, whatever. We'll never see them again. So to get them confirmed, I still have a little bit of that attitude left. Even though I was delighted when they got announced and people can go back to the right act from the week that they got announced and see how delighted I was. I still tried not to think about it too much because... Just in case it's not real. It's all a dream. Just in case it's not real. Just in case I got too excited. Just in case my expectation levels were too ramped up. But that's the best festival headline set I have ever seen from any band ever. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, there's a, and damn. <laughs> and there's a few things why. One, uh, because I think I, I've seen, I've heard, you know, a lot of people have said this. I'm not the only person to have said it. But um, a lot of people were like, I don't get it. I don't understand what was the, what was so great about that. You know, they stood stock still. They didn't speak to anyone at all throughout the entire set. They didn't have the screens on either side showing them, showing the band. They showed their own visuals which looked a bit kind of dated now, like, well, they're dated because they're the visuals from the videos from the time that a lot of their songs were made. You know, that's the video from Schism, which came out in 2000. It's a video from Stink Fist, which came out in 1996. So they will look slightly dated. They just will. But I can't think of another band that would have the fucking balls to do that, to fuck off for over a decade and to come back and just go here we are you don't get to see us we're not going to speak to you four songs in we're going to drop an 11 minute long song which is mostly instrumental which you've never heard before a brand new song we're going to do two new songs pretty much back to back who has got the balls to do that and the talent and the talent to and for everyone off. to just go oh yeah that's fine yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's cool don't worry like you crack on lads yeah whatever you need to do guys and why and was they... that was that the common consensus or was that just from where i was hardcore stood, fans yeah. like you well, love from it? where i mean i was stood i got quite far down the front so i can't talk about what it was like further back you'll have to listen to other people or read other things <laughs> from other areas of where they were stood all why I can, would you do that yeah all i can tell you is i mean the second they came on i start i burst into tears the fucking <laughs> I did I, I cry a lot Matt we know this um and um and I you know and they sounded from the second they walked on that stage they sounded astonishing the sound was as good as any sound at a festival or any sound I've heard anywhere to do it at a big stage and like to sound that good Justin Chanson's bass um people have talked forever about how great a drummer 
Danny Carey is, what an incredible emotive voice Maynard James Keenan has, what a kind of visionary artist and guitar player Adam Jones is, and all those things are true. People don't talk about Justin Chancellor so much. That bass, that I had my, you know, I had my hat on, I had my hood up, and that bass was popping in the back of my hood. It was, I could feel it slapping me on the back of the head as it reverberated to the back of my hood and back to me. Like, he is unbelievable, and he, he's got such a, again, such a unique way of playing. That rhythm section are a phenomenon. You know, I, I've never seen a, such a tight rhythm section before in my life. I've never seen a guitarist just tease out passages of almost practically silence into coalescing into like a mushroom cloud of sonic soup in the way that Adam Jones does. They are incredible. Maynard James Keenan doesn't do anything. He kind of wanders around on the spot when he's not singing on his little thing at the back of the platform, looking at the floor away from, you know, the thing about Tool is, is it's not even like they're a band. It's like there's something else. It's like watching ghosts. It was absolutely unbelievable. I don't think you can compare it to any other headline set by any band. I saw Radiohead at Glastonbury in 1997 and people talk about Radiohead on OK Computer at Glastonbury 1997 is the best gig ever. Like I've seen the enemy call it that. I've seen polls where that has been voted the greatest live performance of all time and I was at that gig and it was fucking amazing. But it had nothing. Like honestly, the 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 vibe that they create themselves, the world that they take you into, this is not about going, oh, can it translate to a field in, in Donnet and da, da, da. No, can, <laughs> they don't have to translate to the field. The field translates to them. It was absolutely just an astonishing thing. It was 90 minutes, just over 90 minutes, 95 minutes. It felt like three minutes. It felt like being hypnotized. I've never seen it, but you know, like it's, it's been so long since I've seen them and I've seen them be great. You know, I've, I've only ever seen them be absolutely amazing. I think that's the best tool show I've ever seen. That's the best show I've seen by the best band ever <laughs> in a series of only brilliant shows. It was fucking amazing. And you will never see another band headline a festival the size of download play in that manner ever again there might have been ones back in the day pink floyd is slightly comparable yeah where the band aren't the star you know the music is the star pink floyd are comparable i think radiohead are comparable even though i've just said it wasn't the sound i think radiohead do feel more like a band but i think radiohead is slightly comparable pink floyd are the closest thing to it but but they're the only ones a taller just you will never see a band like that do that ever again for as great as we said slipknot were totally we, different totally completely different, different thing, but though, you know slipknot look like a band slipknot, yeah, yeah. Can, slipknot are a metal band and they play heavy music and they play to you know it seems unlikely but someone could do something very very similar to that one day plenty of bands played over this over the, the weekend who at least try and do what slipknot do no one at that festival, and no one you will see at any festival this summer will even have the guts, the gall, the ambition to try and do what Tool do. It was unfucking believable. You heard it here first, people. You glad you missed him? 
to be honest, I'm devastated that I did not only stay, but eat some magic mushrooms and jump fully into that vortex because the guys who were camping next to us had this big bag of mushrooms and they were about to gobble them all down and run in. Don't need them. And No, you don't need them. You don't need drugs to enjoy music. But my God, Stephen, a bag of mushrooms and tool in that field on that day would have been my idea of heaven rather than being stuck in a fucking traffic jam on the M1. Yeah. I don't know, mate. Straight edge. Can you watch it back on Sky Arts? That's the thing. No, they won't let them have that. So the tool won't allow it. Every other band you can, but... Mm -hmm. Fuck's sake. They didn't even have the... There were, there were no cameras. No one was filming it. Like, oh, wow. Like, okay. No photographer, no cameras. No nothing. Brilliant. And if for you those were there, you were there. If you if weren't, you were there, you, you were there. Up. Yeah, exactly. And for those of you who are like, oh, man, you didn't go and watch Slayer's last ever UK show. Listen, I've seen Slayer a bunch of times. A lot, a lot, a lot of times. And yes, I'm very sad that they've split up. And yes, it is a shame. But I've got my memories of Slayer from decades. And it was undoubtedly going to be, like I say... There are many other bands, they might not be as good as Slayer, but there are many other bands that are comparable to Slayer. I wasn't going to miss a second of Tool, even for Slayer's last show. Just no way. So I didn't go and watch Slayer. But anyway, um, that's what happened at Download. You going to go back next year? Slayer! Do you know what I want to do next year? I want to go to Hellfest again. We had yeah, the Hell- best time oh, ever. Mate, Hellfest is excellent. That year, the lineup, the site, the vibe, the fucking weather. <laughs> yeah, the weather's a big one. Yeah. And the fact music goes on till sort of one, two in the morning. Mm. Uh, if you've never been to Hellfest, people listening to this, I cannot recommend that festival enough. But I'll give Download its dues this year. There did seem to be a lot more stuff going on for the first time, yeah. like beyond just here's the bills. Like there was stuff going on. The Carlsberg tent where I was DJing in. The village area out in the campsite, obviously having the the side splitter stage with comedians. Like I wish I'd gone and seen Jim Brewer doing all this fucking oh, yeah. Brian Johnson impressions yeah. and all of that. Just showing us up, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they upped their game this year and yeah. it seemed to me to be like a turning point in their approach to putting on a festival. Mm. And I hope they build on that. And I just fucking hope that for once the weather could be nice. Yeah, it'd be great. I think it, next it, year, do, it does make the world a difference. Makes so it? much difference. Makes so much difference. But that said, I had a really good time despite the rain and the mud. And yeah, I wish I could have stayed. But yeah, bummer. Them's the break. Anyway, um, so download next year. Who would you like to see? Three days across, across three days. Who do you reckon we're going to get? Um, this is 2020 predictions, as we like to end on. I saw someone on Twitter the other day. I can't remember who, because. Um, toxicity is 20 years old next year right uh i i thought yeah maybe no i thought it was I'm pretty year sure after. it came out 2000 i thought it was 2001 well there goes that one then i was going to say system of a down doing that album i wouldn't want that no, no. I, i'd want a Foo fighters or a green day i'd really want one of them i would want a an aerosmith before they're done mm. like one, i thought that was the last one they did a couple yeah. of years ago wasn't it i'd really like one more <laughs> I always say Van Halen. I always say They've Van never done Halen. it, have they? Nope, they've never done it. I know Coppin wants them. If you're going to get one of the massive hard rock bands... I don't want to see Def Leppard again. But no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a bit worried because I think maybe it's the, the time... Has, the old fucking Uncle Time has called Van Halen in. Right. Um, I believe David Lee Roth has lost his vocal chops and he's looking super old. So maybe that's not the best shout. But I still do think if we could get a great Van Halen show... I'd what about Bon Jovi? Bon Jovi would be great. That's never done 
before either, right? That's never no, been never been done. No. So I, you know, I'd like Bon Jovi. I would actually. I, I think like a newish band, like a Foo Fighters or a Green Day, like a classic hair metal, like a Van Halen or a Bon Jovi, and then you'd need like a heavy, a band. super heavy band, yeah. I mean, Metallica are the obvious one, I guess, aren't they? Because they've not done it for a very, very long time. They'd yep. be the obvious one. Um, I would point in the direction, potentially, if, you know, we're looking at Deant work, Bring Me The Horizon. I thought Bring Me The Horizon played All Points East a few weeks ago and were up and down, but pop- probably deserve their shot. We'll see how they get on at Glastonbury and that kind of that kind of thing. And then it's fucked though, isn't it? Now because you've got no prodigy anymore, no Lincoln no. Park anymore. No. Um, there's a lot of yeah, and, a lot of potential. And Slipknot just being Rage. I mean, Ramstein have got a new album out, so I would imagine yeah. Ramstein will be kind of in the mix for it as well. Yeah. No, but yeah, like you say, no Rage Against the Machine, um, ACDC. You know, talking about you know, but after last time and then bringing their own stage are they going to want to do that's still my favourite show of all time you love is. it don't you right? I love it oh, yeah, I fucking love, love that shit but uh, yeah that, that would be my uh, my wish list I guess yeah. a, I mean I'd love to see a Paul Green Jam. Day a Bon Jovi and a Ramstein mm. I'd like I would like to see Pearl Jam in there and just book and in terms of bands below you know just get fucking rancid please yeah right just well imagine rancid, rancid into Green Day fuck oh. me well, we did it last year. We you? did do it yeah, last year. So, you know, don't have to imagine <laughs> I'm it. I'm imagining anyway, it. that was Download. And that's been quite a long show. We're going to end with a very, very special trade-off. Um, Matt, I yes. gave you On the Turn by Curb Dog. Curb Dog, the Irish alternative rock outfit, uh, who were kind of a blink-and-you'll-miss-them band who came out in the 1990s. They had one self-titled studio album from uh, 1995. And then their follow-up was this record, On the Turn, released on 31st of March 1997, an album I bought for a mere six ninety nine on the day it came out, just on a whim. And it quickly became <laughs> one of my favourite records of that period. Um, they were called the Irish Metallica when they were a four-piece. Really? And then they were called the Irish Nirvana when this album came out. And they were I, can, I can hear Nirvana a lot more than Metallica. Definitely. Yeah. There's elements of Tool in there, though. Bit of Tool, bit of Helmet. Yeah. That kind of hard Obviously routine. Therapy. Therapy as well, yeah. It's just... Super accessible, super mm. melodic. Reminds me a lot. I would put them in the same camp for me as Failure, a band that I completely missed yep. the first time around. Love failure. And then I got into Failure a couple of years ago when they sort of made their comeback and was like, how did I miss this band? They're amazing. Mm. And with Curb Dog, you used to talk about them a lot when we were on Team Rock, but I never indulged you. And I yes. wish I had because I listened to that. I woke up this morning at about 7 a.m., which is very early for me. And I thought, well, I'm not getting up because it's 7 a.m., but I will stick on this Curb Dog record and enjoy it in bed. And I loved it. It's I great, thought it was instantly accessible, yeah. instantly, um, and just kind of like left field and and artistic enough to be intriguing, but at the same time super pop in places. Incredibly well produced, Garth, and I was reading it ran over massively, didn't it? And went over budget, and it came out too late, and then the sales weren't that good, and then they got dropped. They never got tour's record in the UK. Really? Well, they just called time after it. Yeah, well, it kind of came out, and nothing really happened. And then, I mean, I was gutted actually because I, like I said, I bought it. I was like. This was the days where, you know, I think it was it was half term and I went into Reading. Um, on a whim. On a whim. <laughs> with a bit of money in my back pocket from my do- job. I used to wash dishes. Bit of longer. I used to wash dishes in an old folks home and make about sort of 
you know, 30 quid a week doing it or something. So I just got paid and I had sort of 120 pound, which in the 90s was a fair old bit of money for someone who's looking to buy some CDs. And I just noticed it's an HMV, picked it up. I was like, I've heard of this band. I'm going to get it. Took it home, whacked it on. Sally comes in. Sally, if I first had track. a clue. Hooked from there. Yeah, absolutely wicked song. And the whole, I was like, my God. And I lent it to my mate, um, Jamie Isaacs, who proceeded to l- lend it to everyone else. Copy it to CD or tape. Yeah. And pass it, just it sort along. Of spread around. See, music my piracy village. has always been around. You exactly. see, it was just a lot more scaled down back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everyone had a sort of tape copy of this CD, and no one else could fucking find the actual CD anywhere. Um, and we were all just like, when are Curb Dog going to tour? When are Curb Dog going to tour? And then there was no, obviously, you know, they weren't a big band, it wasn't on the internet. There was no big announcement. Like, we've split up. Like, suddenly Cormac just came back. Cormac and Dara came back with wilt a few years later and we also went oh it's sort of cool not quite as good but fine like a more indie version of this but i genuinely think this is one of the great lost rock albums of all time certainly of the 90s yeah certainly of the 90s i'm amazed you haven't talked about it on this show already well it's because renfrey loves him as well so there's no point me giving him this when he's you know when he when he's already heard it Got we're it. both big into it right right as right many people of our age group do you are. agree on most stuff musically well me and Renfrew yeah. yeah for the most part I think we've got pretty similar tastes really although he doesn't like pop music um, and I don't like Scar <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry no Scar Punk Scar Punk yes that's Get the one right because yeah, yeah. you like Toots and the Maisels I do yeah which yeah, is yeah, Scar like yeah. Matt's got a bee in his bonnet about Scar haven't you no I, I don't have a bee in, I've got a bee in my bonnet about people who incorrectly label Scar Punk Scar yes that's uh, that's more like it but anyway Curb Dog uh, on the turn I mean I've talked about it so much and I just felt I should bring it in because as you remember I did always go should we play Curb Dog on the radio and you'd be like no one even no one knows that they are. No one cares. But they actually got to the point where, when they came back and reformed, they ended up headlining the Forum, which is a two and a half thousand capacity venue. They only half filled it, but fine. Like the story you know. was going so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's fine because you know, ultimately, the, oh, they didn't even get to play any kind of London show when this album came out. And I think had they have done, I think the one they played before this was somewhere very, very, very small. Like What's the current line. status of the band? Are they in flux? Do they kind of come out of retirement every now and again and do the odd show? Did yeah, they like reform that. and then just kind of call time? Is it an open door I thing? I think Cormac has got a job working for an Irish radio station. He does like a rock show on an Irish radio station. Oh, okay. And occasionally they get together and they do some shows and they come over. And, I, you know, if they play, I'll go and see them because I just, you know, I just love these fucking songs so much. They're just great. You know, it is like a mixture of, like we say, Helmet and... Um, and a like, massive influence on stuff like Biffy Clyro. I think Simon, when I saw them last time, and Simon Ruben Neil, and bands like that, probably, yeah, 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 oh yeah, massively on Ruben. Simon Neil got on stage and did Mexican Wave with them on their last tour. There Biffy. you go. So worth going out just so, for a potential guests like that. Yeah, exactly. And but certainly, are, if you, you know, like Wild Hearts and Therapy, oh yeah, these are like the kind of less known version of that scene, aren't I they? I would say so. Yeah. So a great record. And if anyone's been listening to me over the years, you know how much I love it. <laughs> I'm glad you got a chance to listen to it. Let's talk about what you gave me. Thank you for switching me onto it. That's quite all right. Well, thank you for this, Matt. We um, don't, Renfrew and I have a massive, like being a punk fan, I'm more kind of come in UK post-punk AE onwards and the kind of the first wave of American hardcore, I guess, is where I'm really knowledgeable. But Matt 
is massively passionate about the early, early, early punk. First scene. wave, first wave. First wave of punk, um, which apart from Sex Pistols and Clash and a bit of The Damned, I've never really gone massively, massively into. I know the names, um, but I am, I guess, to my shame in a lot of ways, I am less familiar with the albums. Um, you gave me Germ-Free Adolescence by X-Ray Specs, which was released on the 10th of November, 1978. Um, punk rock, new wave. Would you say there's I, I a touch ju- of new I just wave say, in it? I'd just say punk, straight up punk. Uh, the, the unique thing about this band is they have a saxophone. Yeah. But it's not Scar. No, like, no, no, like no. every other it's band, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It is like yeah. it's very, it's it's very discordant. I mean, the birth of Riot Girl as an entire artistic movement begins with not only this album, because the song which kickstarted that isn't even on this album, but the band's first single, "Oh Bondage Up Yours," mm. which wasn't actually on the album when it came out. It's on most versions of it now because that's the single yeah, that everyone I knows. To the deluxe. But it's not on the original album. And that single is the birth of everything from Bikini Kill to the Tigra to Garbage. Like, you name it. Oh, Bondage Up Yours. Some people think that Little Girl should be seen and not heard. I say, Oh, Bondage Up Yours. One, two, three, four. Like, it's so exciting and rebellious Mm. and feminist and angry but yet playful. And the singer polystyrene was just the antithesis of a sex symbol. Like, she was very much of the opinion, I am not here for your fucking visual gratification. She would wear big, baggy cardigan jumpers, braces in her teeth, big spectacles, wiry hair. And I guess like that kind of London hipster look now. Mm. Like, she was rocking that 40 years ago. And she was just this kook, like this total anomaly within the punk scene. All their songs really focused on either feminist politics or anti-consumerist, anti-capitalist theology. And it was very much about that kind of time when the world was becoming obsessed with plastic. Food was becoming wrapped in plastic for the first time. Plastic was taking over as this cheap commodity. And they felt, I guess, like the world was becoming plastic and homogenized. Hence, you know, the tubes on the cover of all of them in these test tubes. And it, it was the ultimate statement, I think, on a whitewashing of culture mm. and they were like one of those last explosions of you know songs like day glow and fucking artificial and identity just i guess as close to what the uk had to devo you know this kind of from out of space like freak alien explosion of eccentricity and weirdness and that's it's in so, step with the times but yet so different to everything yeah, because this is so 1978 from what you hear from documentaries, what you read up on, is at that point kind of post the pistols where people were going, ah, punk's over. Like it's, you know, certainly the mainstream, I guess the people that were brought into it just by the shock value of it were like, I'm out. Ah, it's done. You know, like it's finished. Pistols are gone. It's over. And people, that that kind of postcard punk, you know, spiky leather jacket and mohawk thing had started to become like a real cliche. I'm a cliche, I'm I'm a cliche. cliche. Yeah, and yeah, and you know, and this comes out right in the the kind of direct aftermath of it. Yeah, yeah. And listening back to it, I mean, And it's it's aged fucking well. Oh my God, I cannot fucking believe how, like, again, we said it about Killing Joke earlier. Uh, There may be people listening to this who, um, I guess maybe younger people who struggle with some of this production. I did a bit when I was a kid. I struggled particularly with the the very early sort of DC hardcore bands and the, the sort of Boston hardcore bands. 
th- this to me, the production on it is it sounds fucking fearsome. Well, a lot of these bands were really like pop bands. Dare I say it? And a lot of There's the time a- they had these geniuses at the production desk. You know, Elvis Costello produced the first Specials album. He produced the second Pogues album, Rum Sodom in the Lash. So a lot of these records of that time were really well produced. Like they might not have had the budget, but they certainly had the masterminds and knew how to mix records well. It sounds really full. Do you know what I mean? The yeah. whole sound of it. Um, you can tell it's from the time because the drums are slightly tinny. Yes, and yeah, yeah. there's some bleed on the guitar. Yeah. But it's a big sound. Do you know what I mean? Like when, when everything comes, it doesn't sound like, you know, the kind of archetypal tinny, rattly punk rock album. Like the first it, Clash album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. It's not kind of wiry and thin yeah, yeah. and kind of just fuzzy. It's actually... Well, the title um, track fat. as well is this beautiful, like, ethereal kind of... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Jesus. Fucking, I love the album so much. And it's the only album, if you can find another one, bring it to me, but it's the only album that has... A saxophone, a brass instrument, but yet remains distinctly punk and doesn't verge into scar territory. That's it's the only one I've ever heard that has that instrument and yet still remains because the way they use it is almost the same as Roxy Music used it, like this Close kind of dreams. stabby, art-rocky, like almost John Zorn yeah. layering effect. I mean, I've just said Dose of Dreams and people will probably go, oh God, here we go. Because <laughs> I absolutely fucking, obviously I love that record. Um, there's a bit of sax and there's a bit of horns on that and i was always like i've never really heard anyone use horns like this before that kind of popping like i said rocky horror picture show it's kind of glam rock but done with real punk rock grit and that's what this is and i was like fucking hell that's kind of i imagine you would suspect quite heavily suspect that the members of a band like fucked up are more than kind of versed in in x-ray specs and yeah, this just, it still feels, like you say, it still feels weird. It still feels dangerous. It still feels unique. Um, and fun. And fun. A fun and album. Catchy. And yeah, I mean, even if you don't want to listen to the the kind of the, the lyrical content of it, which you can't help because, you know. It's- Who else has a song called Warrior in Woolworths? <laughs> it's just brilliant brilliant um so british so mm. kooky and uh the other thing and then they just fucked off yeah like one perfect album boom done out she went and became a harry krishna left the band like 1980 out and then that was it and just left the world with this one perfect record like so that was the way of it back then wasn't it pistols i mean they obviously had others but they're not Mm. worth anything one record boom out yeah. And I mean, what I was going to say to you as well was, um, so I went on the Wikipedia page for this. In an interview after being shortlisted for the Mercury Prize, British artist FK Twigs, who's a very big, popular kind of, um, well, Mercury-nominated pop artist, named Jeremy Adolescence as her favourite album of all time. I think when people... And obviously it's a big talking point at the moment, the kind of the equality within music and the kind of the, we've spoken about it, the, the kind of the rise of um, more feminine voices uh, within and feminine perspectives within kind of cutting edge heavy music. Um, I think people often look back at the, like you say, the Riot Girl era and go, there's that little era where, L7 and let's say Bikini Kill and Babes in Toyland and um, Bratmobile, yeah, and another and great band from that, that time. Come along, you know they kind of uh, they kind of did a thing for a bit and then it went away. I, for for what was such a violent 
and nihilistic scene of the UK punk scene back then. I think when you look at the fact that there's the Slits and there's Susie and the Banshees and there's X-Ray Specs, actually it's one of the only other times and probably the first time in kind of genuinely radical alternative music where there was a very, very strong female presence within music. That's probably fair to say, right? Well, the other thing I would say, yeah, I'd say that's fair to say. But the thing I love about this band is their debut single, as I said, is Oh Bondage Up Yours. And in that song, they said everything that they ever wanted to say about feminism. Mm -hmm. It's just so fucking perfect. And then they just went, right, we've said that. Now let's go off into this world of exploring mainly, as I said, anti-consumerism, anti-capitalism. They became much more obsessed with that and dealing with the world as this kind of existentialist fucking nightmare of plastic and do you know what i mean and they left feminism behind because they were like they we just shat out the one song that fucking deals with all that better than anything that's and you look at bikini kill and all those great bands that followed and they're just still building on that one thing that x-ray specs just shat out as their debut single and then went in on this what i would call a concept album that then doesn't really even pick up feminism as a topic again mm. because they're like there's more going on in the world there's more sinister forces at work yeah I fucking love them. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm really, really glad you gave this to me. And it's, it's, it is probably like this little period, the sort of 77 to 79 British punk era. Best two years in music for my money. Really? Ever. But and only it, because I'm a punk freak. But I just love how punk could have been like rock and roll, right? Just here for a moment, gone. Instead, you had then Gang of Four, you had mm -hmm. Joy Division, you had Bauhaus, like The Cure, even bands like Blondie, Talking Heads, like bands that would go on to become pop bands, it all splintered out of this injection of youthful energy into basic rock and roll, which was then known as punk because mm. of the attitude and the clothes and the fashion and everything. But then it became this widespread artistic fucking revolution that went from, you know, Kraftwerk even and German kind of electronic yeah. music all the way through to industrial bands like Throbbing Gristle and suicide and it's just the birth of so much fucking cool shit yeah definitely wow i agree with that wow but i just I'm, all i'm saying is my kind of my knowledge of that period in britain in punk is probably not what it should be and certainly when i get a record like this i go ah, man i need to go back get on the scream by Susie and the banshees i oh, mean i love Susie and the banshees but i love all the kind of gothy stuff get on the screen the first record all right I'm on it. Okay, well, there you go. That was um, us talking about Germ-Free Adolescence by X-Ray Specs. He's An not album. lying, that was. That's what that was. And <laughs> um, if you haven't heard this record, I think, well, one, culturally, I think it's obviously very important, and two, it's just a fucking rager. So have a little listen to that. We'll be back next week. Well, I'll be back next I week. I won't. He won't be back. Not a chance. Not a um, chance in hell. <laughs> I'm never coming back. Uh, no, thank you for having me on, dude. It's always a pleasure. No and, worries. Uh, thank you to Renfrey for allowing me to deputise well, in his Renf absence. Renfrey's currently in Amsterdam. So next week is going to be a massive show because we'll be reviewing Metallica and Ghost uh, at Twickenham. We will be talking about Nick Cave, who Renfrey's going to see. We'll oh, be going to see jealous of that. Tool again. Um, I'm going to see Hatebreed. We're going to be talking about new albums from The Raconteurs, Bruce Springsteen and The Black Keys. It is 
going to be a big, big week. Um, so look forward to that. Musicism.net, go over there, get your wee courses and um, become a better musician. Then one day maybe we'll be mentioning you and saying, what a big week. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and subscribe to Life in the Stocks, Matt's podcast. Please do, yes. Next week I'll have Chloe Trujillo on the show. The week after that, Ralph Stedman, who oh, did yeah. all the Gonzo illustrations for Hunter S. Thompson. That's great. Um, who else is coming up? Barney from Napalm Death, Jesse Hughes from mm-hmm. Eagles of Death Metal, a controversial character. Um, I've got a lot of good shit coming up. So yeah, please do subscribe and um, you know follow follow me online at yeah. Matt Stocks DJ. <laughs> That's DJ for the non-French speakers. <laughs> he nearly fucked it right in the end. It's D- at Matt Stocks DJ. All right, thanks for coming in, mate. It's been good chat. Pleasure. Uh, we'll see you all soon. Cheery bye.